Welcome, gamers, to Basement Arcade Pause Mania, the show where we hit pause, sit back, and just chill. I am your host, Ben Magnet, and today on the show, I have, once again, another guest from England. I am, it, it feels like almost every other show I have guests from either Australia or England. But this awesome person is a staff writer for multiple um, video for multiple video game public, public, yeah, publications. Wow, can you tell I woke up just five minutes ago? She, currently, she is a staff writer for Fusion, for uh, Fusion Magazine. She also writes for a whole bunch of things. She streams. She's totally awesome and chill. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show, Retro Faith. Faith, how are you? Oh, wonderful. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Of course. Thank you for coming on the show. So you are a, a video games journalist. You're, you write for, right before we started recording, you say you write for so many different things. But before that, you also stream on Twitter. You stream on Twitter. I almost said stream on Twitter. My goodness. Stream on <laughs> Twitch. Well, let's be real. The twi- Twitter and Twitch, they both have the same like first syllable. So it's it's like you got to like make sure they say the right thing. Yeah. And also, you are a diehard Sonic the Hedgehog fan. The biggest. Yeah. I'm, you're probably a lot. I mean, I'm also a big di- uh, diehard Sonic the Hedgehog fan. But for, for, before we get into uh, writing about um, uh, uh game journalism i want to talk about how did you get into video games uh when you were a, a little kid um I, 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 I can tell you pretty much the time so it was june 1991 i had i was about seven i would have been seven just turned seven mm-hmm. and i played i played video games when i was slightly younger uh i think my bro, older brother had a commodore 64 and i played like a, a pong machine thing and uh, so I knew what video games were, but I'd never really, they'd never really grabbed me. Mm-hmm. And then June 1991, I was in a shop in, uh, in in the UK called Boots, which is like a big kind of department store thing. And they had a Mega Drive kiosk with Sonic on it. And I never, because I'm so used to sort of remember, played the Commodore 64 a lot more. I, I grabbed this control and started playing it and something inside me just sort of ticked. Mm-hmm. But then it wasn't until that Christmas, Christmas 1991, that my my uh, my parents got me and my me and my older brother uh, a Mega Drive with Sonic One, and that's it. From then on, as soon as I played that, I was in love. I that was it, that was it, that was the moment where I knew I knew as well that I'd always had video games with me. I fell in love with that little hedgehog that Christmas. Oh, that's kind of like me and back in 1990, maybe 92 or 93, because my brother was born in 92. And where we were living, my next door neighbor had a Sega Genesis, and his parents got him Sonic Two, and that nice. and that was a, that was the first video game I ever played. And I'm pretty sure that's the that was the flashpoint where my parents can agree is like this is the moment where I became a huge video game fan, yeah. and also the bane of their existence for a while because as a little kid, everything I wanted was related to Sonic. <laughs> been there, been there all through the '90s. I mean, every every time there was a new game released, I, I'd want it for my birthday or for christmas so uh christmas 94 was a huge one for me with sonic and knuckles 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 is my favorite character mm-hmm. absolutely love it's a shame that my background you can't see my sonic collection that's in a different room uh, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah it's all about knuckles and uh, yeah that was it i mean I, I i i like all i like all video games but if, if it wasn't for if it wasn't for sega uh during those early 90s i probably would never have got into computer games really because the, mm-hmm. the the, the the home computers at the time, they, they mean they weren't really grabbing me. I was a bit young to have them and that. And yeah, you know, as I say, the rest is history, isn't it? And uh, yeah, oh, I've yeah. had all consoles since then. Yeah, gone crazy. Yeah, I, 
Yeah, I mean, don't be fooled by me wearing my Super Nintendo hat. This was actually just the first hat I picked off off my thing. I was like, ah, this works. Because I do have a I have a Sega Genesis hat up in my um closet right now. So so I am so I'm not like I'm not uh what's what's the word? No, I don't want to say poser because that's too mean. Because I do I do like my Sega. I do love Sega. Yeah. And because I like the, growing up. I my next door neighbor, my first one of the first next door neighbors I re- ever remember having. He has Sega Genesis. I moved towns, and then my next door neighbor at my at the town I grew up in, she had uh, it's a Super Nintendo. So I would go over to her house, and we would be playing Super Mario World, Street Fighter Two, and that was kind of my introduction to sixteen bit games. Because even though I was alive during that time, like you said, you were seven when in nineteen ninety one, I was barely a year old. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So. I- so going into the console wars, I was like, I there I joked I joked to my friends like, yeah, I was a veteran of the console wars, but I got in at the very tail end when the ten when Sega That's decided right, just yeah. to just to bow out. Yeah, no, I get that. Yeah, no, and I think um, yeah, I mean I it wasn't until a few years later as we got to like the mid nineties when you were probably like really young, Lynn, that it really sort of I, I noticed it because I was about 10, 10, 11 by then. You're a bit more worldly. Mm-hmm. And you could kind of see the difference. But yeah, but up until that point, I didn't care whether it was Nintendo or Sega or Atari or whatever. I just love video games. Yeah, I had a Mega Drive. That was my favorite. Uh, yeah, plenty of friends had other consoles and stuff. Um, it wasn't until I started yeah, getting a bit older where I, I kind of got a little bit of that rivalry. Um, mm-hmm. But I think I kind of turned through between it because I, when the Sega Saturn came out, I mean, I, I bought a Sega Saturn quite quickly. Saved up my paper on money if memory serves. But then that then when the N64 came out, I really liked the look of that as well because I love the Mario game and mm-hmm. and the Diddy Kong race. So I got one of those as well. So I was like, oh, I felt a bit dirty, but at the same time, I also got a Super Nintendo right near the end of the sort of 16 bit era. The reason being is there was a fighting game, Killer Instinct, that came out. Oh, yeah. Got it, got it right here. I don't have many box Nintendo games, but I got it right here. And it's one of my favorite games of all time. And I just I bought a Super Nintendo just to play that because I played it in the arcades and I was like, oh my god, this is amazing. When we found out it was it was coming on Super Nintendo, I just had to get it. So mm-hmm. I got to the Super Nintendo quite late. I hadn't played it much until I'm glad I I'm glad I got I got there when I did because Mario World is now one of my favorite games. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't get unfortunately the my first Super Nintendo was Super Nintendo Mini that came out a few years ago. I specifically bought that. Because um, I mean, egging an actual console itself. I mean, it's not hard to get. It's just a little on the spendy side. And for me, um, a little over a hundred dollars. That's still a little expensive, even though some people can throw hundred dollar bills like no matter what. But seeing the the any the SNE or the SNES Mini as people around the here, it's weird. America's weird. Like we say SNES or NES, whereas everyone else, like Australia, England, no matter what, they go, oh, the SNES or the NES. I'm like, what's the NES? Oh, that's right, the Nintendo Entertainment System. That's yeah, the SNES. It spells out SNES. (laughs) And we just like to go, and we just, and we say, um, and we do the acronyms. But yeah, but you also call the Mega Drive Genesis. What's all that about? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, You know, I forgot who I was talking to, but apparently. When, it's a trademark, um, yeah. Yeah, there's a trade. Thing. Yeah, there's a, a company in America had a trademark for Mega Drive, and they just and they had to go with a different name. So I want to yeah. say Al Nielsen of Sega, who came up or who was 
there was like other um names for the genesis and i think another one was oh, i forgot what the other names were but they but they were just all like bad names and then we look at genesis i'm like that works i'll take that it, it no it's not a bad name but it doesn't it doesn't work for simple reason that the genesis means like the first doesn't it like the start but there was mm-hmm. the master system before yeah. so it, to me when i heard it i was like but it's not the genesis it's the second con- yeah anyway let's yeah we, let's, we're getting a bit sidetracked but yeah, yeah. Oh no! Being getting sidetracked is what this show is all about. It's definitely SNES, not not SNES. Yeah. <laughs> well, anyway, well, anyways, because I got my SNES Mini because it had like a bunch of games preloaded in, and a lot of those games are super hard to find, and they're also already expensive as standalone carts. And also, this one's gonna work on my HD TV, so I'm like, perfect. I don't have to worry about that. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, no, th- those minis are awesome. I I, di- I think that because I've I've never owned uh, an NES either so like um plenty of friends had them but i never really owned one myself so yeah then when the the nes mini came out i was like oh, that's interesting and got it on the switch as well so it feels good but um mm-hmm. i only play mario on it if i was honest but the uh but the, the, the snes or the snes is uh, definitely definitely the one for me donkey kong mario world so many great mm-hmm. f-zero oh it's mm-hmm. classics classics uh final fantasy three six um I mean, kind of, of <laughs> yeah that. <laughs> yeah of course secret of mana that was that was like the instant buy for me because i could at the time i was only hearing great things about secret mana like my um the circles i was in they were just talking about it's like oh yeah secret of mana that's such a good game we gotta play secret of mana i'm like what is this game that they that people keep talking about i've seen a few screenshots a few gameplay videos i'm like man that looks really cool and then i saw it at a convention once and it was I think I stand, at the time the standalone cart was over like $80 American. And I was just like, mm, no thanks. And then, of course, here it comes out on the Senez Mini. And then the collection comes out on the Switch. I'm like, perfect. I have no, perfect. I I, could, I have a way to play Secret Mon now. Awesome. Yeah. I t- you know, those guys, I tell you, JRPGs in general, I'm not a fan. I'll tell you mm. why. You know, the graphics are nice and the music's good, but. It's all for me. It's just very menu, like menu, menu, menu. Like mm. uh, you know, and I've never found one really that challenging. I've never played a JRPG and thought, "Oh my god, I'm stuck." It's always mm. just okay. We go here. I mean, I like strategy RPGs like that. You know, like mm-hmm. Fire Emblem or ones a bit more like that. But I just find all the Final Fantasies, all that Secret of Mana, all those type of games, I find them a bit boring. I, I, I hate. I know. I know people be like. <gasps> <laughs> but it's like I just, and I'll tell you why. It's just because it's all about the story, isn't it? Because the actual gameplay is just ticked up in the same button on the menus, isn't it? You know, attack. Oh, it's your turn. Attack. Your turn. Attack. And I know, I, I know, people will be like, "No, you're simplifying it too much." But when you break it down, to me, there's not any skill to it. It's just pretty graphics with fancy spells, and then a, a really good story. But for me, video games, I don't really care about story at all. I'm I'm pure mm. action. I'm an arcade player. I you know, if there's a story in a game, I'm just pushing start and skipping it, honestly. Okay. I'm one of those so for me, for me, I know everyone's like, oh my god, Secret of Mana and um, what's the other one they love on, on, on the SNES? There's another one, isn't there, that people just go crazy. Chrono Trigger. Oh, I've yeah. played all those games. I've played Final Fantasy, the 2D ones and the 3D ones. Every single time though, I'm just like, okay, so what am I doing now? I'm fighting this this people and you just keep pushing the same button menu 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 and i i I, for me rpgs are more like Baldur's gate like dungeons and dragons Mm -hmm. where there's a bit more strategy to it where like where you place your troops and stuff 
Right. That's for me. But yeah, I, I get why people like those JRPGs. I can understand why they like them. But for me, I, and I hate I always put my, my head above the parapet here and people are like, oh, I'm not following. I've had people say, oh, I'm not following you anymore because you said Chrono Trigger was boring. Ooh. And I'm like, but, 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 but if you actually break it down as a game, there's not much going on here. It's just run to this town, fight some guys, keep pushing the same button in a menu. They die. Go along again. Another. You, you see what I mean? Mm. But but yeah, it's about the story, isn't it? That's what drags people in and the characters yeah. and that. But um, but yeah, so I can't. I'm sorry, I can't get excited about Secret of Mana. <laughs> oh, no. I, so I I've told the story before, but as a kid, I thought games like Final Fantasy and RPGs, essentially like Final Fantasy, the turn-based ones, were boring. But at the same time, when I was saying that sentence, I was also putting like hundreds upon hundreds of hours into Pokemon, which was the exact same thing. Oh God, yeah. I hate Pokemon. Oh. <laughs> I really don't like Pokemon. <laughs> I know. I think the problem is like for me is like, I think there's two types of gamers, right? There's there's gamers that like, you know, Nintendo style stuff, mm-hmm. which is like you know your, your RPGs, your Final Fantasy, and then there's people like me who like their arcade games, like Sega games, like Outrun, Streets of Rage, beam ups, those fighting games, shoot 'em ups, shmups. Because I I tell you what, I've had loads of conversations with people that love Pokemon, and when I'm like it's crap and boring, they're like, well, what? Explain why? I'm like, because you're just doing the same thing over and over again. And then they say, well, what do you like? And I say, well, I like a schmump where I've got to try and one credit it. Like the challenge is to do it with one credit without dying. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, I played those schmumps. I just die in five seconds. Like, yeah, that's the difference. You want the story, like the Pokemon, collecting the Pokemon in a nice slow game. I'm the complete opposite. I want super fast, high scores, competitiveness, like, you know, Street Fighter. I'm super competitive. Like I, I was... Um, Back in the day, I used to like fight competitively. Before all this esports stuff, I used to go in for like mm-hmm. competitive fighting game tournaments and stuff. So really? Things like Pokemon and that just totally passed me by. It's just like, nah. I mean, yeah. you're you're not wrong on Pokemon. Uh, <laughs> that's actually been a, a criticism of the games lately. Like Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl just came out, and yes, there are some good quality of life improvements to that game, but it still is the essentially the DS game just with a night a shinier coat of paint on it and better online and yeah well, I mean maybe, I, not better, I, maybe not better I, online features but the online features have been souped up a little bit more I I'll, I'll take your word for it I, I it's a, I've, I've seen it it's the remake isn't it I mean I'll tell you mm-hmm. what don't get me wrong I can see why people love those games they got great they're the very colorful cutie characters you got the collection part of it which makes it like oh i've got to get i've got to get you know i've got to get them all the sort of thing i understand that i, I genuinely do but i just think as a no take it no, no, not as a journalist but as a gamer i just think where's the challenge where's the skill what is it i'm achieving here and it's it there's it's there's nothing there it, there's there's absolutely no depth to it it's just go here collect some pokemon do these battles where again we're going back to this menu thing of just tapping the same button over and over again to do the same moves over and over again mm-hmm. i don't know it's just not and that's what makes games so good isn't it that there's so many different because the same people that would be going oh my god retro faith hates pokemon would be the same people that would go oh my god i hate your street fighter games and i'm looking at 250 street fighter games up here you know it's like <laughs> it's that's the difference isn't it I just, yeah. I, for me a game's got to have a high score some sort of competitiveness to it, or it's got to have a real challenge. If, mm-hmm. if the game lacks any of those, I'm, I'm kind of normally out on it, which is why I miss a lot of RPGs, because I'm like, where's the challenge? You're mm-hmm. just going through a... It's like a story, isn't it? You know, same with the yeah. Pokemon. It's a, You're just going through the story, 
you're not actually doing anything. Yeah. I, hey, that's the that is perfectly that's perfectly fine because that's because games like any form of art they're all subjective. You know, as a person, what you like. That's it. And you stick with that, and I think that's that's a good that's good. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love Pokemon. I love JRPGs, but I can most certainly criticize those. But I also, like, there are times, like, I'm not a competitive gamer at all. I mean, I might get a little competitive with my friends, especially when we're, there's a Galaga machine in front of us, and yeah. I try to rack up the high score, but I know I'm nowhere near the level of some com- of people who've been playing this game and only this game for almost their entire life. But, but yeah, that's all, per- that's all, I mean, I completely understand that if I were to, push back anything on pokemon i would say that there are times where there is a bit of a the 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 skill in pokemon is being able to think on your feet and how to counter the opposing trainers pokemon type advantage because they can have a pokemon of a certain type that is just wiping the floor with your team and you're sitting there going how am i going to counter this i can use this pokemon do some chip damage or I mean, that's the only way I would. I yeah, would I get that. I yeah, and I get it. that. But, oh, but yeah. if you, once again, if you don't like Pokemon, then I mean, you don't like Pokemon. Yeah, that's totally, it's not about not totally liking it. It's just, it's just. I, I get what you're saying. Obviously, I, I, I am sort of like really, really breaking down to a basic level what these mm-hmm. sorts of games are. But for me, it's more just a case of, yeah, there's there, there is that there's going to be that element of strategy where oh, I'm I'm trying to use this move because I had I was playing this RPG recently, JRPG called Grandia Two. Um, oh, I've heard of that. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas it's the same sort of thing. It's like select what move you do, mm-hmm. and then they'll go and do the move, that sort of thing. There's the, but it kind of almost was okay. That move's not working. Just go on to the next. And I think I feel it's the same with Pokemon. Yeah. You, you can you can say there's an element of strategy, but I think it's one of those things. Ninety nine percent of the time, you're just going to be you know choosing the same sort of moves, the same sort of Pokemon. Same with like Final Fantasy. Mm-hmm. I sat and played through. Everyone says Final Fantasy VII, one of the best games ever. Mm-hmm. I tell you what, I don't mind saying this. It's one of the most boring games I've ever played, and I tell you why. Because I I played through the whole game when it came out, and I literally didn't change any of my characters once, and I just selected the first move most of the time, and it was beating the bosses. And it was only when you got to right towards the end, the last that last boss that takes ages. Where you kind of had to really think, well, actually, that 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 move isn't doing a lot of damage, so maybe I should mix it up. And I just felt that I wasn't really like in control of it. And same with the Pokemon, I don't really feel like you're you're really in that much control. It is more about the collecting. It's more about seeing the cute characters and that more than it is about the gameplay. Mm-hmm. And you know, and I think that's what I was saying. It's also subjective because people love. Pokemon. I was offered a Pokemon game to review, right? Mm-hmm. And I said no. And people were stunned. They're like, what? You turned down a free Pokemon game? And um, I was like, yeah. And I'll tell you why. Because I would have said it was shit. When I know it's not a shit game. But me as the person reviewing it, I would have been like, this is boring. When Mm -hmm. I know that's not the answer. So it wasn't right for me to review it. Same as if someone that just specializes in JRPG suddenly went to go and review a fighting game or a shoot-em-up. They'd be like, it's too hard. It's too hard. When really, Mm -hmm. they just don't have that in their brain same with me and the Pokemon and the JRPG. I just haven't got that brain that says this is really fun when when it is mm-hmm. fun. You know. Yeah, yeah, kind of like how, uh, and we'll probably get get into this later. But how when some game journalists were talking about how Metroid Dread was way too hard, no, and it wasn't hard. They and they were complaining about because I love Metroid Dread. That right now that's my game of the year. Yeah, I've I played really, that. We played it. I haven't. I haven't. I haven't completed it. My my boyfriend got it on his Switch, so nice. I played. 
I played it enough to know I really liked it. And uh, yeah, I wouldn't say it was too hard. I mean, it was challenging. Uh, I wouldn't say it was hard. I've certainly well, there, just... there, there were definitely times where it was where I had to, I had to really stop and think of what I needed to do. But other than that, the but especially when um, because the Metroid has this thing because the, the Shine Spark and Metroid because that was a thing in Metroid uh, Super Metroid and in uh, Metroid Fusion. There are times where just that shine spark just made me mad because you have to be really precise in your button inputs yeah. to make sure you go where yeah. you need to and go. You get I those robots a bit. Psh, yeah, yeah. If you missed it by a few seconds, you'd missed your chance, and then they're on you, aren't yeah. they? The robot thing. Yeah. Oh yeah, I cannot yeah. tell but you no. how many how many times I had to stop and just like, oh, okay, you can do this. You can get this stupid shine spark trick down so you can get that item and and because Metroid Dread was the first Metroid I actually did complete one hundred percent items the whole way through. Because leading up to Dread, I did play all the other Metroid games. I I will not. I used a guide. I will. I have no shame in saying like, look, I used a guide. Yeah, I, I read some of your articles about it where you were cataloging playing all the all, all the Metroid games, and you said there, I remember there was one point where you're like, if I hadn't used the guide, I'd never have worked. And I had that with mm-hmm. uh, when um, on the Super. Uh, no, sorry, Metroid on, on on the original on the original NES. I I, mm-hmm. I was the same. There was just a bit where I for about twenty minutes I was like, no, I'm really stuck. Have I missed something? And when I did, oh, do you know what? Screw it. I'll just look it up. Where, where i'm up to and, and try and work it out and i looked on like a game faqs and like you like you said in your article i would never ever in a million years have gone oh let's randomly lay some bombs in this completely random part of the level and randomly blow. it was just like how on earth did people work that out back and it would have been complete fluke because mm-hmm. there's nothing that indicates it but yeah so metroid games they're challenging i, I think the problem with metroid is that um because the games are so few and far between, mm-hmm. they've almost got like this kind of status of the holy grail of video games, um, and they are excellent. I, you can't doubt it. It's a. I, I think sometimes they're a little bit over, uh, over not not overrated because they're that they deserve their high scores because they're excellently made computer games. I sometimes think that though a lot of people think a little bit more about the series more than it's probably worth a little bit. But yeah, they're great games. Uh, game of the year for me? No, it's going to be the uh what's the racing game that Microsoft released recently? Um the Forza Forza one. Oh, I played that on my PC. Oh my god. The graphics and just everything about it. That's the best game I've played in years. Mm. Modern game. Yeah. Yeah unfortunately a lot of the newer games because the Game Awards, as at the time of this recording, the Game Awards just announced their nominees. Probably when this goes up, the Game Awards will have been long gone. But I'm looking at the games list for the like game of the year, and it's a bunch of games for the PS5 and PS4 or the Xbox that I haven't played. And not because I don't have one. I do have a PS4. I just don't have a PS5. And a lot of these games that are coming out, I'm holding off on until I finally do get a PS5. Yeah. And the only game of the year that's that's up for nomination is of course Metroid Dread, and I'm thinking as like, well, that because when I got when I played it, I legitimately had an amazing time. I absolutely loved it. I was constantly. When I came home from work. I was constantly looking forward to any time I could to play Metroid Dread. And when I got to the end of the game, I was like, I was, I was blown away. It was an amazing experience, and I'm just like, I'm sitting there, and I got that feeling of like completion, or not that feeling of completion, but that feeling of. Um, satisfaction when you beat and when you beat a game especially one where that had a pretty difficult hard boss because that the last boss was that was a bit of a challenge that was hard to fight yeah the bosses in i mean i think when we were doing because we haven't played it for a few weeks but um because the problem is we uh 
we uh, we we end up playing the Xbox a bit more. But um, they yeah, the bosses. That's what I like about Metroid is the bosses are really ingenious. They're, mm-hmm. they're normally like really because you've got so many different sorts of weapons and shields and all sorts of things going on. There's normally some really clever twists, and you have got to actually have a few goes just working out like what do I actually do here? Like how do I actually attack? And I like that. And that's what makes the Metroid games really yeah. good. I definitely think the new Metroid game definitely Switch game of the year, hundred mm-hmm. percent. Because I can't see anything else that's come out that's actually good on the Switch. Personally, not me. There's a few indie games that I play, but. You know, I mean, it's been Pokemon and Animal, whatever. And I, to me, none of it's any good, really. Can't, I'm not, I'm not a big Nintendo fan, like in cutesy stuff, <laughs> like you know, Mario Kart. I think that's trash. Uh, oh. <laughs> the Mario games, though, like Mario Odyssey and stuff, they're always, um, they're always brilliant. Mm-hmm. Always play those. But all the, I don't like Pokemon. I don't like what's the um one on the islands, the Animal Crossing. Oh, I hate that. Boring. <laughs> oh, and there's a few other like Nintendo ones. I'm just like, nah, just Donkey Kong's only Donkey Kong and Mario. I love rest of it, a uh, bit of Metroid, but um, they but need no to bring cover. a new F Zero out. That's what they need. Stop making these rubbish things like Animal Crossing and Pokemon. Make a new F Zero. Yeah, I would like a lot of people, myself included, I would like a new F Zero. I didn't really get into F Zero until recently, thanks to my Sinez Mini, because you know that has F Zero on it. And I played it, I was like, this is actually really good because for the longest time when I would play Smash Bros and Captain Falcon will be there, I would just look at Captain Falcon. I'm like, where are you from? What it's like it's exactly like Ness from Earthbound or or the mother series. Like I see these two random characters in my Super Smash Bros. roster. I'm just sitting there going, I don't know what games you're from. Like everyone else on that roster, I can pick and shoot, I can tell you, oh, they're from this game, they're from X game or mm. Y game. And then you get uh captain falcon and ness and for the longest time i have no idea who these dudes are and probably when um because i never owned the gamecube but even when i did get super smash bros mainly i didn't own a memory card but i would go to my friends houses and when they would have the entire roster unlocked for melee i would see this random dude called roy and i'm like who is this guy from and then they're like i don't know i guess he's from some game called fire emblem what's fire emblem i don't know two months later fire emblem for the gba comes out yeah, I, t- I I don't know who the the other character you mentioned there from Mother or whatever. Again, that's like a kind of JRPG thing, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I, I've seen I've seen I know the series, but I wouldn't know the, if I saw the character in another game, I wouldn't know wh- where it was from. But uh, yeah, Captain Falcon, he he, he he's the nuts. <laughs> yeah, I mean, come on, I cannot tell you how many times um um people would just like memeify a Falcon Bunch. <laughs> yeah, I tell you, I Smash Brothers. Um, Again, people, you know, people can be watching your show and think I'm just some sort of nasty person, but I, I think that's a trash game as well. <laughs> I call it Super Trash Brothers. <laughs> I again, again, do you know why? Do you know why? It's because I am a proper like, I'm, and I mean, hardcore fighting game fan. And people are like, oh, what's your favorite fighting game? And they go Smash Brothers. Like, it's not a fighting game. It's a party game. It's not a fighting game. There's no. Oh god, I hate it because I, I, you know, I'm in this conversation. The people are gonna have a really bad opinion of me, but it's like, but people would be like, "Oh, I, I love oh you," because they, they they hear a lot of fighting games, like you know, hardcore fighting games, King of Fighters, things mm-hmm. like that, and they'll be like, "Oh, I love I love Smash Brothers. You ever play that?" And I'm just like, "Oh god, no." And when when you try and explain the reason why Smash Brothers isn't really a fighting game, they're like, "No, no, but you fight you fight people," and it's like. Yeah, I, I get that, but you know, it hasn't got the combination, it hasn't got the skill level. 
And people then are like, I'm an elitist. And I think that's true. I'm a bit of an elitist gamer when it comes to things like Smash Brothers because I, I scoff at it like it's a children's toy. And really, it's actually a really fun game. But, um, but the fact that they have like e-competitions about it and that I think is quite silly because it's like, you know, they're like, oh, I'm the champ at Smash Brothers. It's like, just come and play me one round of Street Fighter 2 and see if you see how, see how you fare. But... Uh, and no, I didn't like that either, Smash Brothers. I'll be honest. I like I liked the one on the N64 when I first played it, mm -hmm. but beyond that, I don't think it really. I don't think it's really grown as a series. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Smash Bros. I mean, well, as as time went on, Smash Bros. The roster came. The roster just kept growing, and I was. Yeah. I mean, I love Smash Bros. Because it is. Because I think Mar um, Sakurai himself has said before. I could be wrong on this. But he said that Smash Bros. is kind of a party game because it's like Mario Kart, Mario Party, or like when you go to a friend's house and people bust out a Nintendo game or a Nintendo console, I can guarantee you like nine times out of ten, one of those three games is in that person's library, be it Mario Kart, yeah, yeah, Smash yeah. Bros., or, or even Mario Party, because from the it Nintendo is. 64 onward, it had at least four controller ports. Or even the, Wii, even the Wii U or the Wii had four controller ports. And for the for the Wii U, it came with an adapter so you can put controllers so you can do eight-player Smash. But Yeah, I, that was good. I, yeah, I did see that. I saw that once, eight-player Smash, and it was crazy. Um, but yeah, no, I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I like Smash Brothers as a game. I just, I kind of feel it's, it's a, it, it's kind of got, it, Nintendo have done a classic Nintendo. And what I mean by that is they've pulled the wool over people's eyes that they think they're getting a new product, but actually they're just buying the same thing again and again and again. Because I played the original Smash Brothers on the N64 recently, mm -hmm. and then I played it on the, the new, well, the, the latest one on the Switch. And I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, there's not much, apart from obviously graphics and sound and stuff, there's not really a lot of difference. And it, I don't feel it's evolved enough as a series. But I want it to because it's a very fun game. That they really need to sort of start thinking a bit more about, but then again, do they? Because it's so fun. Do they need to do anything different? I, I just, I don't know. I think what grinds my gears a bit is that people call it a fighting game when it's not a fighting game. Well, it's really a party game. It's yeah, really a party then... game. I mean, it's just, it's just one button stuff, isn't it? There's no, there's no like, you know, like I, I could, I could show you moves that I do on like King of Fighters games that are like seventeen button presses, and it's not button mashing. It's coordinated stuff with timing, holding mm -hmm. buttons. Down, down, it's like no, there's none of that in Smash Brothers. And anyone, I've had arguments with people actually about it. Who are like, no, Smash Brothers is a fighting game, and I'm just like, it's really not. Have you ever actually played Guru Mark of the Wolves? Yeah, and then and then, then and and got good at it to a and then and then and then gone back to your Smash. But uh, but no, I I am um, getting back back to what we were talking about. Um, yeah, I, I think I, I think that um, like Smash Brothers is it's fun, it's fun. But again, I'm kind of like, I'm, I, oh, we should just talk about Sega. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's what this is. It's like, I'm not, a new, I'm just so not a Nintendo person. No, I, 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 speaking to you now, I kind of realized that you're, you're kind of really, I, I don't know. I don't know. Go to the next question. <laughs> don't get me wrong. I love, I do love Nintendo, but I can definitely see Nintendo's faults and I can definitely see. Yeah. Um, why people's criticisms of Nintendo, and I would say that their criticisms are completely valid. I mean, once again, don't let the, N the Nintendo hat fool you, because I also I grew up wanting a Sega Genesis. I grew up wanting a Dreamcast. I eventually got a Dreamcast, and then it lost, and then I gave it away like an idiot because the laser broke. But 
I do have a deep love for Sega and a deep love for Sonic the Hedgehog. But as as time went on, unfortunately, Sega kind of also down the road kind of kept tripping up and messing up. Don't get me wrong, we got some amazing games. Oh, God, I have. Yeah, yeah. My, my favorite Sonic game of all time is Sonic CD, but my favorite Sonic game in the last 10 years is Sonic Mania. That game is oh, just, oh, yeah. That, that is that amazing. is yeah. I mean, Sonic Mania. I was so happy when that came out, and I'll tell you why. I was getting worried for Sega. Like so Sega isn't the Sega we know. So I, I think it's whenever I, I do these things, I, I don't get me wrong. I I I've painted myself in a bad light. This. I do love Nintendo. I I love my Switch. I play the GameCube constantly. I play like Fantasy Star Online on the GameCube mm-hmm. constantly. Even though, even though that's a Sega game, but um. But with Sega, like yeah, we we, I'm, we there's, there's no point in us reiterating what happened. Uh, yeah, at the turn of the century, Sega changed completely, and I think it, it was bad times for Sega up until about five six years ago. And Sega really turned a corner, like Sonic Mania, that saved Sega, and not in terms of money. Sega would always have money because they were clever with some games. You know, there's mm-hmm. certain games they had, Persona, all these sorts of series of games, and and they made good acquisitions. For like smaller, smaller um, uh, independent developers that, that they brought onto the Sega brand, and they've also got their Pachinko uh, uh, branch in Japan, which you know Pachinko. For anyone that doesn't know, is is like a slot machine, like a, um, a one arm bandit kind of thing in Japan. It's the same sort of thing, and Sega have a massive behind the scenes, massive, massive amounts of billions and billions of yen that they make from those machines all throughout the world so sega were never going anywhere but they you're right the sega that we had back in the the, the, the wars as it were in the 90s uh, is long gone and we have to be realistic and the games were, the games were getting worse and worse and worse and i was really really worried when they announced you know the new sonic games coming out because i was like this could be the final nail but uh, yeah, and it turned out to be true. The, the the 3D game was a load of trash, but then Sonic Mania was absolutely brilliant. Mm-hmm. And the reason for that is that Sega let, let let other people work on it. You know, for the first time ever, Sonic Team weren't doing the Sonic game. First time in a long time. Yeah. And um, the the white the Christian Whitehead to head cannon team has done an amazing job. And let's hope that whatever comes out next is going to be just as good. But it was nice to see Sonic back to his best. And yeah. um, it was great to see Sonic like in things like um, Mario Sonic Olympics. I thought that was great. And that those that, uh, it was nice to see Sega kind of, you know, go, yeah, do you know what? Let's do this with Nintendo. They could have gone the opposite way and said, no, you're still our rivals. And really, Nintendo are far and away, <laughs> way above Sega in terms of everything. But um, yeah, Sonic Mania. I mean, I could talk about that forever. It's probably one yeah. of the greatest comebacks of all time in video gaming. One, one of the greatest things, comebacks. I mean, one of the things about um, Sega hiring Christian Whitehead, who made fan Sonic games, they hired him first to do the um, the Sonic CD port to iOS mm-hmm. to, to iOS and Android, which I'm not going to lie, the Sonic CD port is how I actually finally, after 20-plus years of loving and trying to beat that game, finally beat it, was on my yeah. phone. Did you, really... did you do it? Did you did you do with 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 the good ending? Yep. Oh, that's all right. I got yeah. all the time stones. I destroyed all the um, machines in the past. I got them all. Yeah, and it's tough I got... to do that. You know, it's actually quite a it tough is. game to do all oh, that. Yeah. yeah. Oh no! When I was a kid, because when I first played Sonic CD, it was on my Windows ninety five, and 
I could not for the life of me, no matter how hard I tried. And this was back when I was in kindergarten. So this was 1996 when I was playing this game. I could not get past Metallic Madness Act 2. And in, in Sonic CD, there are three acts to a level, kind of like Sonic the Hedgehog 1, where I'm trying to get where I get to Metallic Madness. I'm able to get through zone, Act 1 okay, but Act 2 was the bane of my existence. It was the one roadblock that I could never get past, and it always bothered me. Even years later, when I can play Sonic CD, because I borrowed a, a friend's game, the Sonic Gems collection on the GameCube, I had a Wii, so I was able to play it on the Wii. I still couldn't get past it. It yeah, still, yeah, yeah. it, I, I couldn't do it. I don't know why. I was in a, I was an adult. I was a teenager at this point, so I'm sitting there going, "Okay, I've beaten video games before. I've beaten Sonic Adventure, God knows how many times. Why can't I not get past this stupid level? I could not beat it until finally I got on my phone, and I just then. And once I said Metallic Madness at two, I'm like, okay, I can do this. And I finally beat it. That's nice. I finally got past that stupid level. It was just do you think like, it's because like by then you'd run out of lives and you only had a couple of lives by the time you got there or something, maybe. It was it yeah. was a it was a mixture of running out of lives, running out of continues, and also just the fact that I didn't want to start at the very beginning of Metallic Madness Act One again. And then when I lost all my continues, I didn't want to go all the way back to the beginning. So it wasn't a form of rage quit, but it, let's be honest, it was a form of a rage quit because once yeah. I died, I'm like, nope, I'm done. I'm putting the game away. I'm I'm not gonna. St- I'm not, not. I'm not having a good time. I was like, I, I, yeah, it was, it was Sonic CD was always a weird one for me because I I I did have a Mega CD back in the nineties. I, I didn't get it right away because they were very expensive. It was kind of after the Saturn came out, and obviously the first game I bought was Sonic CD, quickly followed by Final Fight. Mm-hmm. Um, which was the best arcade port of that at the time, or the best port, sorry, of the arcade version at the time. Better, better than the Amiga and much better than the SNES. Anyway, but Sonic CD, yeah, as a weird one, I, I, I too, by then, I was a teenager. The first, I mean, I think I'd played Sonic CD a bit before at some point as a kid, but never really had a proper go at it. And I, I was a teenager. And by then, I had got into Sonic speedrunning. So mm-hmm. playing Sonic, the original Sonic game, Sonic 3 and Knuckles, Sonic 2, um, all, all these, uh, Mars System 1 as well. So I was already into speedrunning games by the time I was like a teenager. So when I finally got my hands on Sonic CD, uh, probably about mid-90s, uh, I was really good at computer games. I was already starting to practice enough to be entering like Street Fighter 2 competitions and stuff. So I never really got stuck on Sonic CD. Although it did take me a while to work out how to get all the stones and stuff. Because obviously back then you don't have the internet. So no. you had to sit there and work it out. And it took me a while to work out how to do everything. <laughs> it took me a while to figure out how to beat the... Because I would get into the special zones when I was a kid. Now, once again, I'm a kid. I'm like under 10 years old. I'm a very young child at this point. And I'm not reading the manuals. I'm just like looking at... If I look at the manual, it's just to look at the pretty pictures. Yeah. I'm like, ooh, pictures... And then once I get to the um, the UFO level, or it's like, hey, bash all the UFOs in. It took me a long time to finally like actually get all the UFOs because that they're hard. Because that special stages are so hard. I know. I mean, I know they're supposed to be hard because you know they're special stages. But as a kid, I remember like running through, and I didn't notice how if you get into the water, your timer just drops. It's like three times speed on how you're on how you lose time. Whereas if you're just like 
running around, it just goes like, okay, it's a regular, it's moving at normal speed. And then yeah. the second you hit the water, it's like plummet. It plummets. It's like, I'm, I'm, I, 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 um, it's going to make me sound quite arrogant, but I was playing some Sonic Mania on a stream recently and I just started a fresh game and I like had all the, um, I got all of the um, special stages like first time. And someone watching the stream was like, oh my God, you're like the best computer game player ever. I was like, no, not at all. It's because I recently played Sonic CD and, and and wanted to do it with all the Chaos Emeralds. And my God, was it hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so like Sonic Mania is a complete breeze compared to these. Well, even Mania, the, the few Chaos Emeralds are very tricky to get. I, there, I think it was Chaos Emerald 4 or 5. Yeah, it was 4 or 5. There's one that's, mm-hmm. that's right, one of the middle ones. It was, in, it was just infuriating. And yeah. But I know that I know the one you mean. I know the one you mean. And there's the red a bit, one, right? Yeah, yeah. And do you oh. know what? There's a bit on the level where you always miss it. It took me a good few goes when I noticed it. There was like a spring that throws you over somewhere else, and you never see it. It doesn't even come up in your periphery. And you, you can't. I, I accidentally found it when I bounced off something and went. It did, it did a weird thing, and I was like, ah. Oh, Oh, the well, next time I get on this, I'm going to do that, and then it clicks. I was like, "Oh, that's how I catch up with it." And it just took me about twenty goes because I just couldn't. See. It was yeah, I know the exact one yeah. you mean. It was infuriating. Oh, no, I'll tell I you what, if you played the encore mode ones, there's like uh, the yeah, add-on yeah. for Sonic Mania. Oh my god! So basically, it's the same thing, but they just mix up all the levels. And mm-hmm. oh god, so the, the 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 special stages on that are just insane. Oh, they're harder. Great. They're Great. harder. Yeah. Yeah. They're hard. They're hard. I mean, I do have it because I have the DLC for both because I have the game. I have two versions of the game. I have it on the PS4 because when the game first came out, I pre-ordered it. I got the, I had the statue. I got the, the whole yeah, special. The, bo- the big box thing. Yeah. Yep. I got the big box. I got the, I got the statue. He's chilling. You can't really see him, but he's chilling right over here. And then when the, the physical version came out, I was like, I want it. But then my girlfriend was like, but you already have it. I was like, but this is the physical one. I want the physical one. And then I yeah, finally, uh, caved, and then I caved and I found a, a good copy of the physical one on eBay for the Nintendo switch. And it came with the art book and everything. So, cause I wanted it for the art book and because it has a reversible cover. Okay. Yeah. I like the, I like the reversible cover. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I, yeah. I, I, cause obviously being a master Sonic collector, I've got most of those now. Oh yeah. I forgot about the reversible cover. Yeah. I like, yeah. The one I got, I got one from Japan. So it's got the really funky colors. That's nice. one of my favorite Sonic games in my collection, actually. Yeah, I just I always love it when um when games have reversible covers like that because it's like, hey, look, even different art. Because all my God of War games that I own, they have reversible covers, and I always like take it out and flip it over. Like I remember when I got Doom for the first, like Doom 2016, when I got that game, I was look. I didn't even know the game was coming out until one day, um, my Game Informer magazine showed up on my house, and on the front cover was Doom. I'm like, yeah, it come out of nowhere. It was one of those yeah. big games. It just comes out of nowhere. You're like, what? Like yeah. I take, and at that point, I thought I was pretty decent in the gaming sphere. I'm not as much deep in as now, obviously, but I pull, I get, I go to my uh, mailbox and I see Doom. They're, they're bringing Doom back. I read that whole. I think I must have read that article like three or four times just to Love be like, to. oh my god, what's going on with Doom? I pre-ordered the game, and once I got the game, and I opened up the case, and thankfully PS4 cases, they're a little see-through, the plastic, so I saw it was a reversible cover that was an homage to the original. Like, oh, my God. <laughs> oh, I was like, I was on cloud nine. I was I was having a blast. I absolutely love I even bought the soundtrack. It's on my phone. Cause that's and it's awesome. a really good game as well. So you got, you're, you're, like, you're like triple winning here. You've got reversible covers. 
you've got Doom, which is always cool, and it's actually a really good Doom game. It's, on a, the best killer sound, it's a killer soundtrack. Yeah, right is. when the game, and I just love it because right when the game starts, it's just like classic Doom. You 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 are you wake up, there's a gun in your hand, and you're just told to shoot anything that moves. Yeah. There's no story here. Just go and kill things. Yeah, you're in hell or something. Who cares? We we'll work it out later. Just go. Here's a key card. Go through that door. Go kill. Here's a big gun. You, yeah, I love it. it. That's game. See, for me, that is gaming. Oh, oh man. Doom 2016 was so good. I mean, don't get me wrong. Yeah. I like, I love Doom Eternal, or I loved Doom Eternal, but I still technically haven't beaten Doom Eternal yet because there's this one part at the at, near the end game where it's a platforming where you have to do like a bit of a trick shot where you have to jump shoot a thing to open a door and then dash and then through it before jump, it and then do the it. double jump thing yeah yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That's, i know that bit. there's a few bits like that actually after that one you're talking about there's a few more of those oh great. yeah they really ramp it up at the end of that game doom eternal they're, they're literally like here screw you gamers you you know just have something really really but that's all it, i don't know if you remember the old like the original doom games they were just like that do you know you were casually going through going oh that's right there's 30 say there's 30 levels of the original doom game and you're like, oh, this is pretty easy. You get to like level 25, and you're like, yeah, this is all right. And you get to level up like 26 or 27, something, and suddenly it goes from like you're literally just. It takes you like a month to complete it. You just can't everywhere. work it out. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. a typical, typical, typical Doom game where it's all pretty casual up until a certain point when it just goes click. Mm -hmm. Um, a bit like I'm, I'm playing a game recent, uh, completely different to Doom, but Super Monkey Ball, um, Banana Mania. It's like the new one oh, on the okay. Switch. Mm -hmm. um yes luckily sega sent me a copy to, to have a look at and nice. i yeah and i was like okay, i'll give it a look because i love i'm a massive super monkey ball fan i really love it on the gamecube i'm a massive fan and exactly the same like yeah it's quite a hard game anyway but it's pretty easy you're slowly going up okay so again a little bit more tricky a few levels like okay you know and then you suddenly it just goes kapoom the difficulty and i'm now stuck on i i, I got like say i think there's a hundred levels a hundred levels mm -hmm. to complete so i got through the first 70 going oh, actually i'm doing all right at this i've only got stuck a couple of times on a few of them now i'm on like this now this level i've been stuck on it for about three days it's just the, the difficulty just ramps up i, I love mm -hmm. games that do that it's like when you get to the end of the boss on street fighter 2 and like it's all been pretty easy up to that point and then you just keep dying <laughs> i love that or it's like how you're able to get to akuma in street fighter 2 it's like oh it's yeah, not and then it, that's it. it's like okay cool and bison and then all of a sudden and akuma then bison's flawed and you're like oh my god what happened punches and bison <laughs> and you're like and you're sitting there going who's this guy and they'll and i remember that in the arcade one of my friends because you have to yeah when that when we heard you first because it was just because street fighter 2x if memory serves came out literally about a month before street fighter alpha which is where we first had akuma as a story and we're mm -hmm. so we're playing this new super street fighter 2x thinking like why have they released another one of these it's just the same old crap uh, excuse my french it's just the same old same old stuff over and over again and then we knew why because there was akuma and it was just like, oh my god, it was just amazing. <laughs> and he's really hard. <laughs> yeah, I've I've never fought Akuma before myself because I'm I'm more of a casual fighting game player. The only fighting yeah. game that I've actually sunk hours and I mean literal hours into was um Soul Calibur, the Soul Calibur series. Soul Calibur's <sighs> two and three, I absolutely loved. Yeah, they're I cannot beautiful tell you. games. Yeah. And once I and Soul Calibur Six came out for the PS4, so of course I had to get it. And I'm just sitting there playing Soul Calibur, replaying Soul Calibur. I'm like, this is home for me. 
I absolutely loved so I loved not loved I still love Soul Calibur. I I cannot get enough of Soul Calibur. I just also I like fighting games with big ass swords because I like I like yeah. a, a lot of fantasy games. Um, like like I do like a lot of JRPGs because excuse me, a lot of them have these big giant swords and this bit and these awesome feats of uh, of strength and these. It's it also they just look really cool to me. They do, yeah. Like, I remember, like, I mean, you know, going back to the Final Fantasy, like, you know, the cloud of these huge swords. It is yeah. cool. I can mm-hmm. see, I can see why people love them games. I really can. They are, they are very cool. Yeah, I remember playing. I was playing Soul Calibur with my brother one day, and we it was like Siegfried and Nightmare. I'm a Siegfried main, and we're just like going at each other. And my brother just looks at me. He's like, you know, I know this is a video game, and video games aren't real and all, but if this were real. I'm pretty sure he can't lift that sword. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that if anyone just got hit with it, at like maybe 30% power, they would just instantly die. Because <laughs> yeah. the sword is as big as he is, practically. <laughs> it's like, it's a- yeah, I know. But, but isn't that what makes games so wonderful? Mm-hmm. That you can yeah. just go into an imaginary world. And that, that, yeah, that's, yeah, we were speaking at the start of this about, you know, how you got into gaming. And I think a lot of it for me is just, it's just an escape. It's like that the real world is a really horrible, nasty place sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, and you know, this morning, I'll tell you, I, I, I don't mind saying this to you, viewers. I, I've, I've been a bit down recently, right? Nothing major, nothing bad, just the usual winter blues and COVID's affecting the world, the usual stuff, you know, no, no, mm-hmm. nothing that makes me special, but feeling a bit down. And this morning I was like, you know, what's going to make me feel better? I'm going to sit here. I'm going to play Sonic 3 on Knuckles. And then after that, I'm going to, uh, I played a, a random Mega Drive game or Genesis game that, that I found. And I had to go on that for a while. Then I played some Rocket Knight Adventures. Then I played some Heroes of Might and Magic 2, uh, like a PC game I like. And after a couple of hours of just playing a bit, a few games and stuff, I was like, you know what? I just feel a lot better. I've escaped. All mm-hmm. that stuff that was making me feel down, I've now repurposed all of that into imagination and wonderful stories and lovely graphics and colors and sound and uh you know the world's not such a bad place anymore no that's exact so earlier you talked about animal crossing like once again to each their own um last year for me animal crossing was the game of the year only because well not only because because a lot of people love that game it's a it's a chill game it's a game that i feel that for people who don't want the fast-paced action but they want to get into video games it's a perfect game because you there is there's no one to fight it's just you and that feeling of hey i am able to pay off my debt because lord knows especially me being a college stu- or a former college student who's in a lot of student debt right now that's like the best feeling world and something i may never do i think for me a chill game would be Okay, yeah. So let let yeah, let me retract a little bit. Like the Animal Crossing thing, I was probably being a bit harsh. Like you know, it's not a rubbish game. It's just, yeah, each to your own that sort of thing. Yeah, it's just not my kind of thing. I just mm-hmm. personally, I just I find it a little bit little bit boring. But for me, that the version of that, like the chill game, would be something like Sim City. Yeah, you know, yeah, where there you, go. you just you know you're not killing people, you're not trying to go for a high score or anything, but you. You can just sit back and relax, and it doesn't matter if you click sync or if you want to click sync, you can. So yeah, I, I do get that. I do get. Mm-hmm. I do get the joy. Yeah, that's it for me. If I just want something just to pass the time, or just to just if I'm feeling a bit tired but I want a bit of game, yeah, I'll put on like Sim City or, or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, like you were saying a few minutes ago, like you're feeling down and you play video games for a while, and it's like, oh, my spirits are lifted. Like last year, of course, when the pandemic was at its height, Animal Crossing 
was uh, yeah. that release Ooh. for so many people and it gave and my cast just knocked something over great and it was that it was that release of something is normal or something can can become normal and um sorry my cat decided to throw my uh train tra thought dang it Suki, what'd you dunk over oh i'll deal with that later you know, cats <laughs> uh darn cats but yeah animal crossing gave a sense of normalcy to people and also they turned the game on and there's isabel with a bright smile on her face telling you what the news of the day is you see your villagers and some of them are like oh hey good to see you or hey i got you a gift we're at a time where we couldn't go out to see our friends we couldn't go out to see our loved ones our animal crossing villagers were there and yeah maybe, maybe that maybe that is the sort of the, the bittersweet of it all isn't it like yeah maybe mm -hmm. nintendo could be attributed with actually sort of providing a a, 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 a a bit of the love that got us through i do agree with that because a lot of people bought that game i was surprised how how much when i looked at the figures like the end of the year for the biggest selling games i was shocked about how mm -hmm. much how many copies of that were downloaded not not because of my opinion on the game just because i was thought it's a to me it's like you know not the kind of game that would be like a a huge set and not not like a fifa or a call of duty or something where mm -hmm. you know uh but yeah but i uh, good on nintendo i'll tell you what nintendo always do it good on nintendo mm -hmm. for bringing out something that nobody knew they wanted yeah they're yeah. so good at that nintendo they're so I never, good at that because i knew of animal crossing before um new horizons came out like i just never i just knew for me animal crossing wasn't for me because i'm like i like games with uh objective i'm not a big fan of life sim i tried playing the sims uh sims busting out on the ps2 i didn't really like it i wasn't I, i'm i didn't really enjoy it but once again you have people who love these games who love these simulation games and that's totally fine they are 100 valid they are still gamers and, or even uh the other day because i've also been feeling down and out because there have been my work kind of sucks right now because you know it's the holiday season the busiest time of the year for me and i got home from work one day and i'm just like i'm gonna play some pokemon i'm just gonna sit back i'm just gonna relax and all my worries just washed away because i'm sitting there playing a game that i know i love and i'm having a blast at that's awesome see that's what it's about that's exactly like you know something as simple as a game of pokemon can just totally change change it's like when um I was speaking to my brother about this. It's a slightly off topic, but he does the same with music where if he's having a really bad day, he, he suffers with quite, quite bad depression at times. And he was saying to me when I spoke to him a few days ago that he just went in a quiet room, put on his favorite CDs, like music bands or whatever, and it just turns it all around. Something as simple as just changing up what your brain is doing. And video games are so good at that because they're so visual. They're so, there's so much, uh, uh, you know, there's so much audio going on. And then, you know the actual reflexes of actually controlling what's happening there's there's so much brain activity with video games mm -hmm. um you know some people say that's a bad thing because they you know it takes up too much mental energy but then as we're just discussing the flip side of it is it can really change your whole mindset it changed my this morning i was like oh i'm grumpy blah, 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 blah. i played sonic <laughs> for half an hour even though i've done it a million times and i can do it with my eyes closed it didn't matter it just seeing those colorful graphics hearing those sounds and that music on the levels and doing really well on the special stage or whatever it was. And I'm like, yeah, I'm back. I feel like I've turned around my mood. And I don't I don't think many many forms of entertainment can do that more than a video game. Honestly, yeah. I, I'd, I'd say that. I mean, art, art is more a, a piece, it's like almost like a state of mind, isn't it? Mm -hmm. You know, you get, you get, you, you look at a piece of art on the wall and you'll get like a, a feeling or a thought. 
but it, I don't, it doesn't necessarily change up what you're doing. So, uh, I'd say, like, yeah, maybe films can a little bit, but I think, again, films are such a passive experience, aren't they? And you'd have to, but anyway, we're going totally off topic. Great, good thing is, games <laughs> is good to improve your mood. Hey, that's it. Let, let's put it on the post up. Games are yeah. good. Games are, games are good. Funny enough, we've been talking about anything but like the main topic for the past hour. <laughs> well, that's once again, that's why I do the show because we can go on rants, we can go on tangents, and that's one of the reasons why I love doing this. So, getting to like to the meat and potatoes of it all, game journalism. You are a games journalist. You essentially have a job that I've been trying to get for the past year and a half. Um, how did you get into game? What what was the catalyst that made you go, this is something I want to do or something that, or the realization is like, wait, people can make money off this or this could be their job. I want to do that because I, unfortunately, that never clicked because I did own a few game magazines. I owned a Nintendo Power. I had, I was buying tips and tricks off the magazine rack at the grocery store. Every time I saw them, I was a subscriber or I had the, my physical copies of Game Informer come to my house for every year for for years and for some reason it never truly dawned on me that this could be a career to write and talk about video games until much later or much or much more recently as you because you said you read my articles also, also thank you thanks me thank you for that <laughs> so uh, what, yeah yeah i'll be I'll, 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 I'll give a little a little bit of context to what i'm about to say so um when I was younger, I used to pretend I was a game journalist and make up my own game magazines and my own instruction manuals for games and stuff. I used to do it all the time. And I remember being a little kid and reading all these magazines, Games Master, Sega Power, what Nintendo, whatever it was, all of those, and thinking this would be amazing. Then I did what all adults do, and I just went and got a really boring job in an office for God knows how many years and, and did that for about 15 years. And then um, about two about two, to two and a half years ago, I was doing my office job, and I don't mind saying it, I had a little bit of a breakdown. Now, mm -hmm. it wasn't so much that the job was bad or it was um, it was underpaid or anything like that. It was a, it was an okay job. It was it was okay paid. City, it's, it's the center of London, a nice place to work, all the rest of it. But I was just feeling something inside of me of my life is meaningless. Mm. I'm not doing what I was supposed to do. And I end up just quitting this job randomly. Um, and a lot of people are like, what are you doing? You're quitting like this really you know, quite well-paid job in the middle of London to, to what are you going to do? And I just said, I'm going to be a game journalist. And they said, what are you talking about? That's crazy. So what happened then? I started a website uh, similar to yours, you know, more more like a blog that, than mm -hmm. a website. Uh, and just to get some practice, I, I always was a good writer. I was quite lucky that the office job I had for, for especially the last 10 years before I quit was a lot of letter writing, like a lot of letter writing. So I knew my word skills was fine. So I knew it was never going to be that I need to go and learn how to structure sentences or read a thesaurus to learn how to, to speak or anything like that. It was more just a case of how do I turn this into, into a job? That was mm -hmm. going to be the hard part. And it was. So it's not easy. What I had to do was exactly like you've you've done there, Ben. You've got yourself a website. So you, that, that's almost like if you're an artist, you'd have a portfolio. Mm -hmm. So you're doing the right thing make sure you keep adding to that now the second thing was you need a little bit of luck and yeah. you got to be a little bit arrogant mm. well, one for a better word but you got to be a bit arrogant so 
I started just literally just knocking on the virtual door of as much many publications as I could and not being afraid to get a no or a no response. I noticed that a lot of people that say, like you've said, Ben, I want to be a game journalist is when I ask them, um, so how many publications have you approached? And they say, oh, you know, I'm not quite ready for that or oh, I haven't, I haven't, I haven't done any of that yet. And it's like, at the end of the day, you're never going to be ready. You've just got to put yourself in front of the mm -hmm. editors. So I, what happened to me was I, I was constantly doing, doing my website and I was shouting out about it and I was getting people to, I was interviewing lots of people, uh, game devs, practicing. Uh, if you, the, for the, the, the advice I would give to anyone is, Forget, forget. Just, I mean, at first, you you're, you're always going to start with writing about what you care about. So I was doing mm. articles about Sonic and Sega and Dreamcast and all this sort of, which is fine because you've got to learn how to write. Right. The second thing I realised was though, this is all very inward. It's all about retro faith and retro faith's history with video games. And I totally went the opposite way. I went right. It's not about me. And when I started looking at what the journalists do, not so much just game journalists, but journalists in general, what do they do? They tell they tell people stories like so. And when you think about them video games, the stories are uh, Joe Smith has made this game on the spectrum or the whatever, like a new game. So because I specialize in retro games, I'll, every time I hear about a new game made for a Dreamcast or a NES or a Mega Drive or whatever it might be, I hunt down that person. I just go into them and say, you will need to be interviewed by me. And get that information out there. You've got to be like a bloodhound on it. Uh, right. If you're not, and all you want to do is sit back and go, well, you know, I want to write about my time when I played Mario on the NES. That's great. But no editor's going to see that and go, I need this person in my magazine. I got the job working for the magazines because I stopped making it about me. If you want to work as a game journalist, you've got to realize that it's like anything else in the world. What yeah. makes compelling reading? And I'll tell you what makes compelling reading, telling peop other people's stories. I re As soon as I realized that Retro Faith isn't that interesting, and as soon as, soon as you realize that like Ben isn't that interesting, and you start looking for the stories, you will find that you're having much greater success at getting in front of those editors, because it's all about storytelling. Mm -hmm. If you read any newspaper, you read any magazines, at the, I mean, even if they're doing a review, okay, also, I, re I read a lot of people that say they want to be a game journalist and I read their reviews and their reviews are normally about always comes back to how they feel about the game, which obviously is really important. Mm -hmm. But then they don't really give the reader a reason why they should or shouldn't buy the game. Mm -hmm. They obviously give it a score and all that. But when you actually read it, you got I mean, I, I, I someone, that, someone that I'm kind of mentoring was always like saying, oh, you know, uh, Faith, your, your reviews are always really got quite short, like 750 words, maybe 800 words. And, you know, and I was like, yeah, but that's it. It's, it's, people don't want to read an essay about some game they're going to buy. They just want to know, mm -hmm. is it worth buying? Because I, I I find a lot of people that say they want to be a journalist overwrite. They overexplain. Mm -hmm. They make it too much about them. They go off topic too much. They say the same thing. The worst thing you can do as, as a writer is say something and then just reword it again in the same sentence straight afterwards. Mm -hmm. And and, and I, I, I've had a few people ask me, can you look at my work? And I and I've, I, what I tend to do with that is I rewrite what they've sent me. It sounds, uh, it sounds horrible and annoying, but once you get over that fear of rejection, 
you I, I get all the time I, I i'm constantly looking for written work so i will go to all the big um don't get me wrong the magazines are great the magazines are great and i, I love writing for the magazines um but the real kind of work is on the websites that should that, mm -hmm. that's where all the money is yeah uh, and I've had to change the way I think. I was very arrogant and I am a bit of an elitist when it comes to video games. And I've had to learn to stop being that. And I've had to learn to just see games and every game having value. Whereas a couple of years ago, I'd have never given any time to a game like Animal Crossing because I would have and gone. Pfft. But what I did, what, what I realize now is that there are millions of people that want to read about that. So I've got to get into those things. So how it worked then sorry that's a, that's a bit a bit of a long backstory so how no, it actually, no. how it actually came about then was the first magazine i got was uh so, sorry first of all i was doing lot you've got to do lots of free work if you want to become a game journalist you've got to just for that for, for that first even for that first year you've got to just hunt down as many places as possible to put your work having your own website is a good portfolio but how you get your name out there is by getting on other people's websites mm -hmm. and just you've got to just do it for free and you got to kind of just do what they want and you got to do it in their style and you got you, but you got to do it so i did that for a couple of websites and at the time i was kind of grimacing going why am i giving them my work for free but really what it came down to then was that an editor for for the fusion magazine that i write for then they contacted me and said we've been seeing your work around and we've just seen your website which tracked everything tracked back to my website and they said we've just read a few articles and we want you we want you we want retro faith, like the person, the brand or whatever, to mm -hmm. be in our magazine right for it. And that's how it started. And then since then, I've been another person said, oh, I've been reading your articles in Fusion magazine. Do you want to write for our magazine? And you've got to just you, you you've got to find that first run on the ladder. And it comes just through being persistent and not you don't know how many times, especially when I first started out, I was asking to speak to people in games companies and they wouldn't even reply. Mm -hmm. Now after persistence and making sure that you know there's a way for them to see that i'm doing quality written work and i could do something for them and that's my next point not only have you got to really think about not making it about you because i read a lot of your articles ben and, and i love the way it's written but you know you'll notice it when after what i said a lot of it's about what you're doing what your right. history is but but and this isn't this isn't about about you but let's but but, but what i'm saying is that's not what's interesting What's interesting is the history of the game or the person that made the game or the actor that done the voice for the character or whatever. And that's where you've got to get to. The moment I stopped writing about me and what I care about or what my history is and started writing about other people's stories, everything's like coming into place. And your articles are just better quality because you're not. Because when we're writing about ourselves, let's be honest, we all love ourselves. <laughs> you know, we could write about ourselves forever. When you write about someone else, you can you you really can make it concise, you know, and, and you write mm -hmm. exactly what what it is that's going on. So my top tips, if you want to be a game journalist, is you just gotta do the hard work. You got you just gotta go, you just gotta email every single website under the sun, every magazine and you've got to do some work for free. But you, you, it's just how it works. It's just how it works in this industry. The second thing is don't make it about you. You are not important. What's important is the story and make sure you get a quote if you can. For every news story I do now, I make sure I get the person that's made the game or the company involved with it or whoever, an expert in that genre of game or whatever, to try and give mm -hmm. me a quote. It brings it to life. The third thing I would say, and this is where it re re really comes down to it, is 
don't be scared of rejection. I was always mm -hmm. worried. I, if, 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 if a year and a half ago, someone had said to me, Faith, you're going to be writing for video game magazines and getting paid for it, I would have gone like, no, that's impossible. Because I was too scared. I was too scared of people saying, no, your work's crap. And you know what? My work might be crap, but it just doesn't matter. As long as you take that on the chin and listen to what people say, um, you will get you will grow and get better and start. To, and do you know what? Just 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 talk to everyone that makes a publication, everyone that runs a website. Just get chatting to them on the Twitters and the Facebooks. There's so much access now. You've got to go for it. Um, and the last thing, the very, very last point I'll make on this question, because I've been babbling on, on quite a lot without being particularly coherent, which is strange for a journalist. But the last thing I would say is um, you've got to be patient. It's not going to happen overnight. And it is hard. And especially like yourself, and you, you, you've got you've got a full time job and you're trying to do this. Have a plan. Have a plan. And, and, and j j just follow through with that plan. And you know, like if you say you're going to get an interview for someone, just do it, write it up quickly, get it out there, show them what, what they're doing. And um, yeah, I suppose that's it really. Yeah. That's, that's a lot of good stuff. Cause even when you're saying it's not about me, it's not about me. Cause that actually, when you were, before we, you mentioned my articles, I, I just, I had a flashback. I was like, Oh shit, I did. I do. Mm, okay. You do. And that's okay. It's okay. There are some things as well. Like, I, I sometimes write a feature on something and I start with, I remember when, which is absolutely fine. Because then if you're in, if you are part of the story, then that's okay. What's mm -hmm. not okay is when you're like, hey, I'm talking about this series of games, but all I'm really talking about is all my history with it. That's not interesting. Obviously, it is interesting, but it's not, if that mm -hmm. makes sense. Not right. to uh, not to an editor. And what is it we're trying to achieve? We're trying to get these editors to give us money to write stuff for their publications, right? Mm -hmm. And the only way you do that is if you draw out the story. As long as you, and as soon as you step away from "I'm not the story" to "Hey, this person here is making a game," um, I, I do, I do, I do recommend. Um, I do recommend, I was reading through a lot of your stuff and I do recommend those start approaching other people for interviews, even mm. though it might be a bit boring. It, 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 do you know what? Sometimes it is a bit boring, but just find people that made games. That if, like, I think I, you were, you were writing, I read your, your Metroid one. That's the last one that stuck out. And I really liked it. If it was me there, I, I, I think you were talking something about some people speed run the game or something mm -hmm. in part of the article. If that was me, the first thing I would have done was got a quote off one of the speedrunners because I looked them up straight. As soon as you mentioned that in the article, I was like, oh, people speedrun Metroid. Let's have a look. I found like a whole website about Metroid speedrunners, and you could have approached any of those to get a quote about why okay. it's important. to. So, again, we're going back to this part of don't make it about you. Make right. it about the person who owns the story. We don't own the story about Metroid. It's not saying, that, you know, we don't own it, but the people mm -hmm. that do the speedrunning own it. But anyway. Mm -hmm. No, no, that's actually that's a very valid point because a lot of times when I write for old school game magazine or when I write for the website, because I'm what I'm doing is just freelance. It's just like freelance. It's unpaid. I'm only I'm doing this so I can grow and also I can you know get better. Because I'm because when I went to school, I went to school for radio and for theater. So yeah. games journalism for me was was this. It was it was definitely one of those things where I had. Uh, where I had it in mind, where I had like, I didn't know what the nitty gritty of it was until unfortunately I actually got into it. Because even when I was taking radio classes at my local community college, 
um, a lot of the emphasis was, oh yeah, we got this is how to properly do a news story on the air. This is how to properly look up uh, credible sources and everything, which definitely that part thankfully stuck in, especially what happened in the past few years. Um, and there are time and there and something really hit me where it's like where I, where they're like, hey, we gotta do the news, we gotta do the news, and then I got to it got to a point where I hated doing the news. I just, I like, someone says, oh yeah, let's do the news. I'm like, or you got to take news courses. I'm like, I don't want to do news courses. I want to do the fun stuff. This is what I'm here for. Yeah. This is the thing. If, if, I, 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 <clears throat> you, you even said it just now, being like, you've got like my, you know, being a game journalist is my dream job. I'll tell you what being a game journalist is. It's really low paid and you have mm-hmm. to do the news stuff. And I'll tell you what, mm-hmm. it is boring. There's nothing worse than me going, oh God, I've got to do a news story on this like new game that's coming out for this kickstarter or something and it's not that interesting to me and it is boring but it's important it's the news and then you've got to make sure you've got the credible source so you've got right. to back up you've got to backtrack and look at the information all this sort of stuff mm-hmm. and you do have to do that i mean i'd love it do you know what i would love it if if, if i could just write about sonic mm-hmm. uh, continuously and someone paid me money about it but that's not the reality the reality mm-hmm. is I had to do an article about a game I didn't like the other day because the editor needed it for the magazine. And I was the one that was free because I'd already done my work up and someone let him down. So he like, can you just knock this one out in the next couple of days? I was like, do it for you tonight. Don't worry. It was a game I didn't like, mm-hmm. but I just did it. And I did it with a smile on my face because mm-hmm. I know that's how I get paid. And secondly, right. that's what it's about. And now do you want to do? I try to avoid writing about Sonic wherever possible because I know what happens when I write about Sonic. It turns back on to me because I love Sonic and I care about it so much. So I turn it back out and go, let's write about this random thing, you know. I should probably find a game that I'm not really or a or a game series because okay. Um earlier you said about uh, how people say oh they want to be game journalists, but another thing, especially me growing up, I don't know if it aired in the UK, but are you aware of G4? like x play attack of the show shows like that uh we had games master so yeah definitely okay. yeah yeah okay because back in um so here in the america we had the station called g4 it just recently came back and that was essentially our the video game channel in in a sense where oh, um, wow. a lot of we didn't game... have a whole channel that's amazing well it wasn't all video games all the time they had a bunch of other pop culture stuff they had a few other variety shows but there's one show on there called x play which was a video game review show. I mean, they would do skits and they would do review. Like I remember my brother and I for a good three years, we would, we would like constantly run straight to the TV, whenever a new episode was on when they were at E3 or they were at the Tokyo game show. And there were games that we bought because they were, they gave those games amazing reviews and there are games we bought. And then when they showed up in X play, we were kind of scared and we were like, we were holding our breasts. like, Okay, how do they think about this game? I really like. <laughs> and even yeah. then, when when you're an impressionable 13, 14 year old and you're watching these shows, you think, oh, they must have the greatest job in the world because they get to play games all day. We don't know what the nitty gritty is like because later on they would do interviews and they say, yeah, I mean, we get to play video games all day, but unfortunately, there are a lot of bad video games that we have to play and we oh, have to review yes. and we have to write about. Mm-hmm. And of course, everyone's views is different. Like earlier when we were talking about, like you despise or okay, despise might be a strong word. You don't like Pokemon. I love Pokemon. You don't like um, Super Smash Bros. I like Super Smash Bros. We both love Sonic, which how it's cool. We find common ground. But once again, what I might say is good and amazing, your views might differ. And of course, the same might be yeah, the same I'd, I'd, for I'd, vice I'd, versa. 
Yeah, I'll tell you what, exactly. You've hit the nail on the head. Un unless you're one of these sort of game journalists that is uh, working for, I don't know, like GameSpot or IGN or something, where you do get all the latest and greatest games for free to review, then, yeah, I'm sure their, their world of being a game journalist is probably slightly better than the average Joe like me. I can, do you know what? In the last two years, I have reviewed so many crap indie games that I've literally played for five minutes and said, this is trash. And if it wasn't for the fact that I then had to make a YouTube video about it, write an article about it, do some sort of promotion on Twitter and Facebook and all that and spend loads of time with the game. If I had just been playing it for five minutes and I was a gamer, I would have gone trash. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And never played it again. But when you've kind of been sent a game and you've got to do it for a magazine or for a website or whatever it might be, and you've got to sit there and actually play it and complete it. Well, but you know, you don't always complete it, but get far enough that yeah. you know what's going on. And yeah, that that is like like you said, behind the scenes, being a game journalist is sometimes really tough. Like I've got, uh, I'm not, gonna, I'm not going to spoil it, but I've got an indie game at the moment. I'm like, oh, started playing it to, like a little bit today, just for ten minutes, just to get make sure it worked and stuff. And I was like, oh god, this is so trash. But I now need to review it for this like for this publication and it's like damn it I, I i can't get away from this either and th that's the other thing to be a good game journalist you have to show all the bad stuff as well as the good stuff mm -hmm. so and actually another bit of advice i'd say to anyone who wants to get into it is um there's plenty of these these websites that will give you free games now they're not good games we're not talking about you're going to get the latest god of war or the latest nintendo title whatever they are pretty some of them are quite bad games, but but if you're interested in it, use these websites uh, that give you review codes. And all you have to give back in return is do like a stream or do a review on a website or whatever, it, however your medium is. And I recommend for anyone that wants to get into being a game journalist, start there. Start reviewing those really, really crap indie games. Some of them, you get the odd gem, you get the mm. odd rough one. The, the old rough, the, 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 the older, really, yeah, yeah, the one that really erupts up. You're like, wow, this game's actually really good for a fiver on the Switch store or whatever. But do that. And do you know what? And if you can get through that and you can sit and review those games properly and come out the other side thinking, I still like this, you can be a game journalist. If you review a few of those and go, oh, this is just rubbish. I can't be sitting here wasting my time writing about some game that, is only going to be a three out of 10 score or whatever, because it is that rubbish. If you can't get through those games and review them properly with, with it, 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 in a way that's like a, a quality way as well, keeping your impartiality and doing a good job of the review and doing it seriously. If you can't get through that, you'll never be a games journalist for the simple reason that how are you going to get through boring review? Like, you know, Oh, here's the latest sales statistics from, I don't know, from Nintendo, and we've got to do a breakdown of all their sales. I mean, that stuff is boring, right? It's mm -hmm. boring. Who cares about all that? But you've got to do that. as a game. Being a game journalist isn't just playing the latest Mario game and being on Twitch. There's so much that goes on behind it. And if you can right. get through those moments, you know you can make it. Because mm -hmm. the only game of the... So I don't know if you saw it, but a while ago, I want to say last year, the one game that actually I sat down and to try to review was a game called Panzer Paladin. And it's a game that I loved playing. And when I saw the trailer for it, I was like, oh, this game is like right up my alley because it's like a Mega Man clone. It's like Mega Man. You have Mobile Suit Gundam thrown in there. And also you got you fight demons with swords. 
And I'm like, cool. oh, that sounds like, great. <laughs> that is ticking all my boxes. And I do love the game. But when I was sitting there and I was trying to write this article and trying to like look at it through a critical eye saying, this is why some people might have an issue with this game or might have problems with it. I'm sitting there going, man, this is a lot harder than I thought. And that's like, that was like the party in the clouds when it dawned on me where I was like, oh, I've been looking at this through a, through yeah. the lens of a fanboy and not through the lens of a professional. Exactly. That's and exactly. It, and it happens all the time. Mm-hmm. And not to say that, I mean, I'm pretty sure if I were to reread or if you were to read it, you go, hmm, yeah, this is definitely written by someone who doesn't really, because writing game reviews, when they're read or when you first see them, you think, oh, this is easy. I can do this. But when you actually sit down and do it, yeah. it's a lot harder than it looks. And and I'm actually perfectly fine with people. Like well, earlier when you are saying it's not all about you, and I appreciate the praise for some of the articles, but at the same time, it's like, give me some of that criticism. That's why um i like i mass tag as many people as i can on my twitter feed to read my articles and like when you said don't be afraid of rejection i also feel like it's also don't be afraid to receive criticism like if someone says hey this your work isn't good but this is how you can make it better yes as, as long as that the part of where it comes up is like hey i noticed these things the, this isn't a good way to get noticed but if you do it this way then you can get noticed as long as the criticism is there and it's like hey to, to be constructive well, I mean, of course, if someone would come up to me and be like, hey, your shit, you need to stop writing, then I was like, okay, well, that's per- this, that guy's just being mean. Yeah. I, t- I tell you what, on that note as well about the criticism, I tell you what, th- this is what not to do. If you And don't get me wrong, I'm quite new to all this as well. It's not like I've been some game journalist for like 20 years and I'm like mm-hmm. some veteran. I've only been doing this, like, pre- I've only been doing it, getting proper paid for it for, a, you know, less than a year now. But, mm-hmm. but, but what I would say was, um, someone that did ask me quite recently to, um, can you just check my work? Like, I see what you're doing. I, I read your magazine that you're in and I like the way you write, blah, 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 all the rest of it. And I was like, okay, I'll read something, send me something. And I, I what I always do, I've had a few people ask that. And I, I, I don't mind helping like a, sort of being like a mini mentor or something for some people mm-hmm. that also want to do it. Because I feel giving back is important. But I, so I, what I do is they sent me some article and I'll tell you what, it was like, there was a lot of problems with it, right? So there was mm-hmm. like, they wasn't sure what tense they were in. Some of it was was, some of it was at the now, and some of it, it was a bit confusing. Also, some of the viewpoint was confusing. Some of it was like a far, like this happens, that happens. And then the next paragraph, it was I, I, I. And then the next paragraph was you, your, and it was all a bit. So I said, so I said to them, look, um, give me a couple of days. Um, I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna do something for you. So I rewrote the whole thing, still using their information. I I didn't like mm-hmm. my, I, whether the information was correct or not about whatever they were writing about. I don't know. I I just rewrote mm-hmm. it in a way that made to me made more sense. Mm-hmm. So I sent it back to them, thinking, oh, that was a nice thing of me to spend about a good hour or so doing it as well. <laughs> it wasn't like you were saying it took me ten minutes. So I thought I was quite right. happy with myself. Going, oh, I, you know, I, and I explained what I did at the start. So I did like look. Mm-hmm. If I said, when you read this through, you'll see that it's all in the same tense. It's all from the same viewpoint uh, and it's same humor or whatever. Um, and I sent it and they come back quite aggressively oh. saying that, oh, this isn't what I asked you for. I didn't ask you to write my work like it's trash and all this sort of stuff. Um, basically, what they were looking for was a pat on the back or they're doing the right oh, thing. Yeah. But what they got was, look, this is how you have to do it to make it. And so if anyone... If, I, I totally i because i've got mentors i've got mentors myself that have helped me get where i am because mm-hmm. i do a bit of work for radio as well for bbc 
And there's a guy called Ian Lee who is, is in, in the UK. Your, your US people probably uh, followers probably won't know who he is. But anyway, mm-hmm. he 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 sometimes gives me some advice about you know, are you on the radio? Do this, do that. And and I feel it's important to give things you've learned back. So if you can't take that criticism, like in, in and in my story, this person who's obviously one of our Twitter followers, he obviously doesn't follow me anymore because he blocked me because he thought I was be- he basically thought I was being rude by right. rewriting the work when what he really when I asked him before he blocked me, saying like, well, what is it you actually wanted? Because you asked me to check your work and give you some pointers. I did that mm-hmm. by showing you how it needs to be for it to get printed in the magazine mm-hmm. or even on a website because it made no sense. And all you've right. done now is... So if you if all you're looking for is an ego stroke, just forget about it as a journalist because you want, mm-hmm. no one is going to say, oh, good job, good job. Right. Isn't that amazing? I get back from editors all the time yeah, this article's great, but I need to cut this whole entire bit out because it's crap. And I'm like, oh, okay, okay, okay. I thought that was the best bit of the article, but okay, that's what they think. And that's at the end of the day, they're the ones who are paying to get the thing published and paying right. you to do the work. So don't be scared to take that criticism. And do search it out. Do search it. Go, go to the people that know what they're, they're saying and say, look, can I just get some help here? Here's a couple of articles I've done. Don't bombard them with crap, though. Just right. be like, look, here's some examples of my work. Here's a review. Here's a feature. And here's an interview. So, right. And that's what I would do. And I'd say, if you get five minutes, can you just read over and give me any advice? And what I would say is, if you want to make it as a journalist as well, you've got to show you can do it all. There's no point. I mean, everyone wants to write the features. Let's be honest, Ben. Mm-hmm. Writing the features is amazing. Man, that's the really part. Yeah, it's the best fun part because you can you can put yourself in the story. You mm-hmm. can look at the history of things. You can bring in anything you want and you can make it about anything you want. And mm-hmm. it's like a piece of art. The boring things is the news. Yep. Like the news is boring. It's got to be factual. There's no opinion. It's just this happened. That happened. Here's a link. This happened. Right. But you've got to do it. You've got to show you can do it. Mm-hmm. And uh, the other boring one is the reviews, because mm-hmm. unless you've got the latest super mario game you're probably reviewing a game that isn't that fun because let's be right. honest 90 percent of games that come out aren't that good you know or aren't amazing that you can remember but you've got to do those and you've got to do it in a good way and the full thing is doing do something uh, do some interviews you've got to show the editors that you can do it all so if they say hey i was chatting i was chatting to this old guy who used to be a savior in the 90s and uh, i think I think if you were to chat with him, he'd be perfect for you to put an article together. You've got to have the skills right there. Right. If an editor doesn't see that, why are they going to, why are they going to hire you? <laughs> true. Yeah, very, yeah. very true. And to mention about that ego thing, um, or to, to backtrack a little bit about the gentleman, I, I would assume this is gentleman, the, the person who had, who just won the ego stroke. Yeah. That's the, I don't know if this is me being egotistical. I really hope it's not. But it's weird because when I put out my articles, like when I mass tweet you and me and tweet so many people, like because you probably get it. It's like, ah, shit, Ben's got another article up in there. there no, I, 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 I'd like to say I read at least half of them. I appreciate I appreciate that. Yeah. But because I, I get a little scared that someone's going to try and flag me. It's like this is spam or whatever. When it's really not, I'm just trying to get many eyes on it. And like because I do get people who come up to me or who who like who start a dialogue or a thread and be like hey this is great you like make some good points i'm like cool i'm like or the thing that i that i don't like seeing which is really weird is just the great article i'm like thanks and just nothing else they just put great article and i'm just sitting there like anything else you want to say but hold on a minute hold on a minute 
Ben, we're coming back to this. It's not about you thing. And let me explain it. Let me explain mm -hmm. it. All right. So you want the feedback, which is awesome. Who doesn't? Mm -hmm. I mean, if, if, if I, you know, if, if you can get someone that, you know, can get, tell you what's great about something or not great about something or how to improve it or what to do next time, that's amazing. But mm -hmm. also if someone genuinely thinks it's a great article, they're your consumers. Your consumers mm -hmm. don't need to tell you you're doing a good job. They just need to read your stuff. So if it's someone that you want their opinion, but they might not know a lot about writing an article. They might just be like, yeah, I enjoyed that. Actually, that was really great. Thanks for the article. Mm -hmm. um, you know, because I, I don't know who you tag in. You know, I, I don't I don't necessarily click on all the people you tag. I just mm -hmm. I have a look oh, yeah, and I'll read it. But what I, what I would say is any kind of feedback is good. Mm -hmm. And yeah, we always want more, but you've got to remember, it's not about you. It's about how that person's interacting right. with what you're writing. So it's, you know, that's the thing about being, if you want to be a game journalist, you've got to, or any sort of journalist, any sort of writing, mm -hmm. you've got to, you've got to take yourself out of it. Mm -hmm. The only way you're going to get that sort of feedback you want is if you probably in a private way message someone that you respect mm -hmm. in the industry and say, look, this is what I'm trying to achieve. Mm -hmm. um here's some like, like we were just saying yeah you know, and, and get someone more intimately to give you some feedback where they actually take the time out to mentor you a little bit rather than just i mean yeah i mean if you're throwing out there to the world that's great mm -hmm. but all those people you're tagging they might not have they might have their own deadlines to hit they they right. they might have a quick a flick through you know just skim read it and go yeah mm -hmm. great article if you really want people to analytically give you responses you're gonna have to target that i'd say more than just putting okay. it on twitter okay. or facebook yeah All right. I, I, I don't I... be scared don't be scared to do it because there's, there's there's plenty of people out there that work in this industry that are more than happy to help someone that wants to break mm -hmm. in right just find it yeah find I, it. I think i may have uh phrased it a little differently don't get me wrong i love it when people who because a lot of people who do say great article are people who don't I would, I believe who don't write or articles who yeah. aren't journalists for a living and they are just, um, for lack of a better term, average Joe's go doing their nine to five. It's like, yeah. Oh, Hey, this person who I follow on Twitter, who writes stuff, I like what they write and they don't have a whole lot of criticism, which don't get me wrong. I'm not going to say no to praise. I mean, that does kind of feel good, but yeah, at the same time, but at the same time, you're absolutely right. Um, like if you were to, if I were to send something to you and you were to rewrite it and send it back to me, I'm not going to be like, Oh, you were supposed to like it. It's like, no, cool. Give me that. Give me that. Um, make me, make my work better or make me or show or point me in the direction of like, Hey, this is how you, this is what you need to do or try working on this. And then you can improve. Cause I, there are times where I link all my older articles to my newer ones. Uh, the one I just put up was about, um, buying games post pandemic and in the very beginning of 2020, I wrote a piece, I wrote two pieces on, on how to start a, a video game, a retro video game collection under a budget. And the first piece I was like, well, the first part is like, kind of, I want to say like a little common sense, but at the same time, like some people who may not like, Oh, I want to get into this. I think this is fun. How do I do it? But now that we're getting to the post pandemic, the retro video game, the retro game market has completely shifted and completely changed. The second part of that piece had averages of, at a, of game console prices at my local at one of my local shows, but those prices may be different comparing from my part of the country to say someone in Texas, someone on the Eastern Seaboard, or since I tag people all around the world, 
all over the world. Like they might see a price and they not realize this is American prices. Then they go to their stores. So hold on a minute. This is like 50 more quid than I thought this was going to be. That bastard <laughs> lied to me. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think what you need to do, you need to just, I think, I think, I mean, I obviously haven't read everything you've written. I, mm-hmm. I, um, but I think, I think you've definitely got something there. I think you just need to, you need, let me ask you, let me spin it back around. Let me okay. spin it back around, right? Okay. Let me spin it around. Have you had that moment where you say, I am a game journalist, or are you still saying, oh, I want to be a game journalist? I don't think I've had that moment. I The moment I have is I want to, I like, the moment I had is I like writing about, I love writing about video games. Okay. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. I don't know if that's answering your question because when I started doing this, it was more just uh, for me to talk. It was more of an outlet for me to talk about retro video games. It was more of an outlet to me to it. And then I started um, pers- trying to pursue because I have pursued um, jobs. I have pursued freelance jobs for like IGN and a few other places. And I have gotten rejection. Like, All so right. no response. I'm, I'm going to do you a huge favor today, Ben. All right. I'll tell you what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to give you the golden advice that I wish yeah. I wanted to give me ages ago, right? You, you just said to me there, you wanted an outlet, you wanted to write about this, you, 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 right? We're going back to this. It's not about you. Okay. Now, if you, if you are serious about making money as a game journalist, stop what you're doing right now. Stop writing. Stop using it as an outlet. Stop using it as I want to talk to people. Go and get a few indie games of these mm-hmm. uh the websites you know you'll find them just type in like uh indie games for 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 content creators or something okay and just start doing the hard work and start stop 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 doing what you're doing what you do is great mm-hmm. i love it i, I think there's always going to be a space to write a, the the personal pieces or the features mm-hmm. about metroid or whatever you, you, that's always going to exist but if you want to make money you've got to show mm-hmm. You got to show that you you got you got to show that you can write the kind of pieces where the money is. So mm-hmm. editors need new stuff. They don't, you know, a, the a feature about Metroid isn't going to draw in any money for a website, say like like IGN or whatever. Yeah, right. that's the fluff pieces. That's nice that we love doing. I love doing it. Mm-hmm. Right. What makes them money is the latest reviews of latest games. Because let's mm-hmm. say even if it's a crappy indie game, right? They're still going to be thousands upon thousands of searches for that on the day it gets released so if you can show that you've got a review there ready in an article format with pictures and all that done and on time that will make them money because then the advertising on the websites and stuff mm-hmm. i'm just trying to be honest with you how it works mm-hmm. and stuff so i you know while i'm quite lucky that i've got into a couple of retro magazines where i can write about retro stuff Mm-hmm. The only way I get paid is if I make it relevant. So, like, you yeah. know, I have to track down game developers and do interviews and stuff. I think for you, Ben, you need to go from I like the idea of being a game journalist and getting paid for it to I'm actually being a game journalist. Okay. And the moment I had that click in my head of stop making it, doing loads of features about stuff, and I started doing the hard work, which was doing these bloody awful indie game reviews. It's the only way you're going to make it now. You have to show that you have to show that you can do the dirty work. So I give you some homework. I want you to sign up to a, a, a content creator website. So if you if you Google something, I'll tell you. I'll, I'll give you the name of the website. You got a pen and paper there. Oh, actually, I can send it to you on. Um, I can send it to you on an email, can't I? Oh, that that works too. 
yeah i'll send you I'll, at the end of this i'll send you over what i use and um you you can you, you can uh because you've got a twitter with followers and stuff right yeah so mm -hmm. you, you'll be able to find anyway you need to get yourself an indie game that looks really rubbish that you know you're gonna hate and you've got to review it and you've got to do it properly and not go oh this game's rubbish and you've got to sit and play it and you've got to do it right and the other bit of the homework is I want to see you do an interview. You've got to find a developer or a publisher or someone that makes music for video games, but someone new, not you know, something new. So maybe what I would do if it was me, I would review this game. And then at the same time, I would be saying to the, the, the developer, I'm reviewing your indie game. Thanks for giving me the key, by the way. Can I do an interview with you about this process and start mm -hmm. building up those skills? If you can't review crap games and you can't interview people that are in the game industry, you'll never make it. Okay. That's actually good advice for uh, those who want to get into the video game industry. Yeah. You got to do dirty oh. work. You got to start somewhere. And yep. yeah, I mean, th there is this grandeur, is it? this thought process of, oh, I'm going to be writing features for Nintendo magazine or whatever. Yeah. Great. We, I mean, that's my dream. My job, my, my dream job is to be a feature writer for retro gamer magazine. Mm -hmm. I am about this far away from that at the moment because I have to show that I can do all this nitty gritty work doing right. these indie game reviews, doing interviews with people that probably aren't that interesting and isn't that interesting to read. But you've got to do it. And the news as well. Got to write, you've got to start writing some news mm -hmm. articles. It's hard. It's hard. Ben, it it's is. hard. And it's it not is. a lot of money in it. No. <laughs> <laughs> but that's so, how you do it. Yeah. So so currently you're, you're writing for Fusion. Um, what other magazines have you written for? Are have they all been UK publications or have they all been international um, publications? Well, yeah, let's look it down. So yeah, they're mostly UK ones. So UK? there's Fusion is my main one. That's mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, I normally do between four and five articles a month for that one. Um, all various things as we've been discussing, features, reviews, interviews, whatever. Uh, I've just took on another job now writing for excuse me, Sega Powered magazine, mm -hmm. which is um a, a new one so the first issue is due out this this month uh and uh, luckily i got to write about sonic for that one <laughs> so they were like faith can you come we want you to work for us but can you just write about sonic for four articles mm -hmm. i'm like oh, yeah so that was a, a lucky break i've also done a few bits for a few books like kickstarter books uh which is how i got my first sort of published stuff always good for those things yeah if you see kickstarter books that are like especially if you like your retro games and stuff approach them are you looking for writers for this book there was a dreamcast mm -hmm. one that that was uh, it's gonna be uh, due soon and i i i sort of went to them and said look dreamcast is my thing you know mm -hmm. and they were like yeah right saying uh, the other one is lost in cult i've done one only one bit for um and then various websites you know lots of different bits and pieces here and there but but, but if you want to get to that point though it, it, i got a bit lucky i got a bit lucky with the magazines and i'll tell you what got me those jobs at the magazines is i have a good a good presence and a good a very authoritative mm -hmm. awe about me when it comes to certain especially certain types of games and they those publications wanted that they were a bit they were a bit like we need this what mm -hmm. the retro faith brand does can we have that in our magazine so you've got as much as i'm sort of saying here it's not about you because it's not but you still need to have you need to be like you need to be Ben the journalist like mm -hmm. I'm retro faith the journalist and you have to have that air of authority about you. It's hard to it's a hard thing to explain and it's it's not really you've got it or you haven't. But yeah, so they're the magazines. Um, sorry, totally off topic there. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and a few other bits. I'm trying to think of them all now. Uh, yeah, a few books I've done for 
but the main magazines are Sega powered now, Fusion, and uh, the odd the odd one for this Lost in Cult one. Okay. Um, I had I had a question in my head. I should have wrote it down. Dang it. Okay. I remember. I just remembered. So, like growing up, obviously huge Sega, huge Sega fiend, a huge fan of Sega. Was there one magazine that you remember? And if you were able to bring that magazine back, what would it be and why? That's a really hard question. Um, I really liked a magazine called uh, CVG, which was Computer and Video Games, uh, mm-hmm. and it was a little bit of a kind of tongue-in-cheek, childish, very boyish very kind of like you know kiddie boy humor to it but what i liked about it was it didn't take itself too seriously and the reviews were fairly short like they very rarely go more than like three 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 or four pages whereas other magazines like games master or the official magazine stuff they would tend to like go, oh we got this new game out and then write 20 pages about it and it's like i just wanted to know if it was good or not you know before i mm-hmm. buy it so cvg I, I it wasn't the best magazine it was quite poorly written but there was just something about it that I really liked. Yeah. There's one magazine that I remember owning. I had like a few issues because once again, we just buy them off the magazine rack when we were at the, the store with my mom. Um, I don't know if you guys got it, but it was called Tips and Tricks. It was one of those old cheat code magazines that they also did like features of like what was coming up, what was coming out. And unfortunately, the way of the cheat code has kind of died and it makes me sad a little bit. But I... But I love yeah. having those those books, those magazines where I could just flip through and they had a bunch of cheat codes for yeah, all I, these different games. We had that. It wasn't called Tips and Tricks, but we had something very similar. And I can't remember the name for it. It might have even been called that. But um, talking about the idea that, that game codes are now a thing of the past. And do you know why that is? It's because yeah, the games yeah. don't make you put them in. Like, How many games have you played where it's got a rewind feature now or mm-hmm. infinite lives or, oh, the checkpoints are every 10 seconds sort of thing? Mm-hmm. You don't need game cheats anymore because games are just too easy. Yeah. Or I think, I think the cheat codes, going to something like, say, GTA Five, you can still put – there's a way to put in cheat codes. Like you can have like all the ammo just to, to like rampage. You can raise your wine level. I think those will never go away. But there, I remember uh, there's one cheat code for Mega Man X4 that I absolutely loved. And I don't, re- unfortunately, I can't remember it off the top of my head, but it was a cheat code to change Zero's armor color. It went oh, from wow. red to black. And I thought that was the coolest oh, thing. A black Zero. That would be awesome. Yeah. I have to see yeah. that now. Like, um, don't get me wrong. Like, you have cheat codes like Infinite Lives, you can make, or like the, the Game Genie slash the Game Chart codes, where you can just do all these crazy things with the game. I mean, if that's your bread and butter, go for it. But I miss the type of codes where it kind of changes the aesthetic a little bit, maybe gives you a different skin, where things like that that were cool. And also there's another cheat code that gave me the ultimate armor for Mega Man X, which was how I played through the game one of my first times, because as a kid, I was Mega Man games were still very difficult, and I oh, wasn't Mega that. Man. Yeah, see, now we're talking working. Mega Man X games. They are amazing. <laughs> I, the oh. first one on, on the SNES, oh, I played that all the time. I love that game. That's one of my favorite games. I love Mega Man so much. But like you're saying, the rewind feature, when I... Because I have the Legacy Collection on my Switch for both X regular and and the ZX games, I was playing the original Mega Man on the the NES Mega Man on my Switch, and yeah, I used the rewind feature quite a few times because there are times where I just couldn't get the stupid jump and I didn't want to start all the way back at the beginning of the stage. Yeah, so and, you just rewind it. Yeah, it's too easy, and, isn't it? I, I watched my boy. Sorry, 
uh, I, I watched my boyfriend plan. He, he really like he, he's a big Nes fan, and he I, I watch him playing his Switch sometimes, and uh, yeah, he's constantly doing the rewind. When I ask him like, why should you do that? He says exactly that. It's just, do you know what? I haven't got time to sit here and learn all this again. I just want to play the game and enjoy it. And do you know what? If the rewind feature makes it enjoyable. Hey, just go it. I'm I'm mm-hmm. I'm all for people enjoying things. <laughs> you know, while I do like a challenge, I am a competitive games player. I mm-hmm. want to speed run stuff. I want to get the high score, and, and all that will always have a place. We still got it's still got to be enjoyable. So you know, mm-hmm. I mean, don't get me wrong. I do want to go back and play it without using the rewind feature because I know getting past the yellow demon and beating Doctor Wily in the first Mega Man game is one of the hardest, most like people. I remember when Crash the Insane Trilogy came out and people were like, oh, is this like Dark Souls because it's so hard? I'm like, no, it's just a platformer that you got to get really, really good at. You got to rem- yeah. you got to know the patterns. You got to know you got to try and memorize things. It's like the pattern for the Yellow Demon. I don't know the pattern for the Yellow Demon, but I know there is one. And I know it's very difficult to get down because holy crap, it took me a long time, even with the rewind feature to just move like a pixel lower or a more a pixel to the yeah. left so it, w- it was out of my hitbox so i can like attack him and beat him it is, and you know i i kind of miss that about games when games were genuinely hard like mm-hmm. actually hard like i i i know that people people say dark souls is hard i tell you what when i i've only played it I played it for a couple of hours and someone was watching me play it on stream and they said oh you must have played this game loads and i said no why is that went, oh because you've got really far in only a couple of hours and i said yeah you just got to learn the patterns and they're like what do you mean i'm like it's just a pattern game so yeah if you just step away and just look at what the enemies are doing you'll spot exactly how to hit them it's not hard it's so it just takes practice yeah it does now we're we're going we're coming up a little bit on time here but before we yeah leave, yeah, yeah, thing, we are, yeah there is one thing i do want to ask you and mm-hmm. as a games journalist um, a hot topic in games journalism or in game journalism circles that I've witnessed is, of course, video game difficulty. It happened with Metroid. It's been happening with Dark Souls and with Crash. What is your view on... Essentially, I want to know what your take is on video game difficulty because my I will get into my take afterwards, but essentially my take is if you're having fun, go for it. If you don't like a game, that's you just don't like a game. And I'm more of a... Look, if you want to change difficulty level... That's all for it, but if it's not there, I'm not going to complain about it. That's my view, but I want to know what your view is. I think it depends on the game. Now, if it's a game that's designed for the mass market, like something like Forza Motorsport or Horizon or whatever it's called, like I think it's important for games like that to be really accessible uh, for all gamers of all ages and experiences. So I think it's important to have an easy mode or you know, for mm-hmm. those people that want to be involved but might not have the experience or the skills or whatever. But then at the same time, I think it's important to have a super hard mode for the veteran people that want a real challenge. And then mm-hmm. the bit in the middle for the casual gamer. I think there's some games, though, where it, it kind of gets – it shouldn't be in. And I get, I'm, I'm going I'm to gonna sound a, a little bit like a putting on my old school hat a bit too much, but I, I review a lot. I always hunt down shmups, like shoot 'em ups like 2D mm-hmm. shoot 'em ups on the Switch or whatever, indie games. I always hunt them down and say to the developer, give me a review code because – but when when one of those has like a super easy mode, or I tell you what, I, I tell you what, I tell you what, I will sum up my argument on this. I've been playing Monkey Ball recently, right? Mm-hmm. And Monkey Ball is a hard game. Right. I mean, just to play it casually and have a bit of fun, it's okay. If you want to seriously get good at it though and complete the later levels, it is hard, and you need to practice. Now, I was noticing it as I got to the later levels. If I died more than five times, a little flash thing would come up saying. 
do you want us to put this level in easy mode? And it made me infuriated as a gamer because I'm like, no, I'm a serious games player here. I want to play this on the hardest setting I can because I want the challenge. But then after I kind of got over that initial rage of how dare you say I need to put it in easy mode to realizing that actually if I'm more of a casual gamer and I like the look of Monkey Ball and I've bought it and I'm now struggling, I now have the option for the computer to recognize that and put it in an easier mode for me so I can enjoy the game. It comes back to this enjoyment because you'd be devastated if you spent 30, you know, 30 quid on a new game and then you couldn't get past the first few levels because it was mm -hmm. too hard. You know, you'd be like, oh my God, what's happened here? So my answer is I personally don't really care about difficulty settings because I will always start on normal and work my way up. But I do understand that not everyone has the time or the skills mm -hmm. to play a game like that so in the right circumstances uh having an easy mode or a rewind feature or whatever is absolutely fine because mm -hmm. there because i was recently playing mario 3d world with my girlfriend and there's a little thing that if you die a certain amount of times in a certain level a little golden tanuki leaf will pop up and if you hit it you get a golden tanuki leaf which grants you invincibility the tanuki yeah. suit you can fly essentially you could fly across the level to beat it and I kept telling her not to go grab it because there was because I was trying to 100% complete the game, and in order to like I guess truly according to the the YouTuber known as completionist, in order to truly complete the game, you can't get that because I guess at the end of the screen once you get these certain stars, if you never use the Tanuki suit, the stars aren't shining, and if the stars aren't shining like they'll they'll be there, but if they don't like you know sparkle a little bit, uh -huh. then you it don't knows you it, it knows you use the crutch. Sort yeah, of thing, it know, yeah, you know, you use yeah. the crush. Now, of course, if you're a casual gamer and you're there just to have That's the fine. time, by all means, use the Golden Tanuki because there are levels in that game, especially a level called Champions Road, which infuriates the living hell out of me. I still haven't beaten the damn thing. But there are other levels that are challenging. And I wanted, because I knew we could beat it. And I was like, you know, what? I'm going to push myself. I want to actually do this. So I try and tell her, like, please don't get that because this is the way I want to do it. But then later on, if we're going to do it, play it again. And it's like, hey, this level is really difficult. Screw, let's just get the Tanuki leaf. Let's just do it. Yeah, I, I, I think that there's, there's also there's a um, there's a fighting game I uh, I play called King of Fighters, and mm -hmm. that that came out in 1994. And quite in the quite quite near the start of it, there was this weird thing in it where if you got beaten, if you're playing the one player mode, like the arcade mode on your Sega Saturn or whatever. If you got beaten by the computer, it would come up with this thing of start the start start the round with the computer only having like half an energy bar and stuff. And I remember sitting with my friend thinking, this is strange. But then when we started realizing, actually, this isn't a game that we want to master in 100%. And actually, you know, we're just playing it more for fun. Actually, it's okay once in a while if we're struggling against one of the characters to, mm -hmm. to use that. So I think, I think at the end of the day, computer games have got to be entertaining. They've got to be fun. And the developer wants people to see as much of the game as possible. Right. Um, I was looking at an interesting study where something like 99, sorry, like um, 90 or 89 percent of games or something, only the first three levels get seen or something, uh, 89 percent of the time or something. Because a lot of people play a game for a bit and go, nah, not for me, and never bother playing. And that happens all the time. But so if you make a game too, too, too hard. Unless someone, re unless that game's got a really good, like, unique selling point to it, 
you know, like it's Street Fighter or it's Mario or, or whatever, how many people can actually bother to play it and compete? I play some really hard indie games and I'm just like, this is doing my heading because if I didn't have to review this, I would have turned this off by now. I never gone, I never go back to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's so also you've got to have that balance of yeah. you know sometimes you've got to allow people to move on in the game if it's too hard for them. Yeah, and even just talking about that, it rem it harkens my brain back to the days of when Blockbuster Hollywood Video, these rental stores were in full swing, and of course the infamous Lion King game for the Genesis and Super Nintendo, where <laughs> the developers yeah. were specifically told by Disney to not to make sure the second level of the game is the hardest level in the game. So gamers will get frustrated and they have to buy it. Yeah. And 20 years. And of course, year, 20 plus years. And they actually apologize. It's like, look, we know we made this game too hard and we're sorry. But, <laughs> and then you got games like Battletoads. And there's a, a phrase oh. in the 80s called Nintendo. That was, oh, this game is Nintendo hard. Like earlier, while I was talking about using the rewind feature to get through Mega Man. I did not because I did because I wanted to see the end of the game. I didn't want to go to YouTube for it. I wanted to yeah. see the ending of the game on my game console not through my computer because of course we can watch people like speed run mega man and say oh i've done all the bosses with no damage it's amazing i have nowhere near that amount of skill nor do i have the time to do that but for those of you who can i tip my hat to you ladies and gents but holy crap i just want to see the end of the game and i got there did i get there yeah. Honest, like honestly maybe not so much but it was a feature that they programmed into it so i used it <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And I, I think that's okay. Like there, there's a game I, I like called um, Heroes of Might and Magic 2 on, on mm -hmm. the PC. It's a quite a, a boring, like grand strategy game. And some of the levels are really big. Like, I mean, take days to complete, like civilization sort of size, you know, mm -hmm. huge. And if I'm playing through the campaign and there might be, there's a couple of levels that aren't that good. And I might just go, you know what? I know the little code. I'll just skip this level and go on to the next one. Because I've seen the game before, so it's like it doesn't mm -hmm. really matter. But yeah, I think it's okay. So I, I, I think making games easier or difficulty levels and all that sort of re I think, I think it would always have its place. At the end of the day, if you want to sit and play Mega Man and get that good at it to speed run it, you don't have to use the rewind feature, do you? Nope. You can just get good at it if mm -hmm. you want to. You know, keep playing it until you are that good to be able to speed run it and not get hit by the boss. So, so if you wanted to, you could. The fact that you just wanted to see the end of the game is fine. I think. I think at the end of the day, if people are enjoying it, let them enjoy it. You know, mm -hmm. not it's not for everyone. For me personally, I don't really use the. Re I've never. I think I've only used the rewind feature on a couple of times on the on the the emulator on the Nintendo. But yeah, I think I might use it a bit more now. Maybe I used it a few times while I was playing Super Metroid because there was this jump I couldn't get and I had didn't have a lot of energy left. I didn't want to keep starting over and over and over. And also, I was farther away from a save point, so if I start the game, I have to do a whole bunch of crap over again. So I'm like, nope. Not good, not doing that. I just and then when I finally nail the jump because the the wall jump in that game is hard. I hate the it's, wall it's jump. Broken. It's broken. It's not hard. It's broken. I, and especially on the emulator, it just doesn't work that well. I I gave up on Super Metroid after a while because that bit where you have to do the wall jump, it just it I I just got to the point like this is not working. You know, it didn't really work when you played it on the original hardware. It's not really working now on this emulator. So I just I just I just gave up. I cannot, I mean, you probably know because you read my article about it, but I've, I looked up like so many videos to how, on how to properly do a wall jump in Super Metroid. Nah, that is broken. The, even when I got Metroid Dread and I was like, tr like, I was on stream and I was trying to like do a wall jump 
And then I, because I was trying to do like the whole, you go to the the wall, then you have to point the opposite direction, then you oh. hit jump again. Whereas in Metroid Dread, it's the easiest wall jump ever because all you have to do is just hit the button on the wall and that's it. It's the easiest way to do a wall jump because Super Metroid was still so ingrained in my brain. One of the absolute best Metroid games ever made. I absolutely love it, but I hate that wall jump. That wall yeah, jump. It ruined the game. Do you know, it's the only part of the game that doesn't that is rubbish. Is wall that yeah. wall, that part of that, that part of Super Metroid where you got to do that wall jump? It is make or break time. I think for it a lot is. of gamers, most people I've spoke to about it are like, "Oh, I love Super Metroid, but I didn't." A lot of people say, "But I didn't get past the wall jump bit because I just it just I, it was just too hard." Not only that, yeah. there's an item on the very top of that wall jump bit that you have to do an extra wall jump. You have to time it a certain way. And if you want to get 100% completion, you have to get that item that's just like just nestled up there in that little thing. I, I got it. I hated it, but I got it. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I probably did get that. I'll tell you what was the one thing that always sticks out in my mind is on the original Mega Man X on, on, mm -hmm. on, on the Super Nintendo where there's one bit where you want to get the, the Ryu Fireball and you've got to do... First of all, you've got to do, you know, that sort of jump where you can, oh, yeah. you push against the wall and then you jump out, like he leaps out that weird leap. But then when you mm -hmm. get there, you've got to have the boost, the air boots, where you can then boost along and then get to another bit where you've got to do that again. Oh man, that took me about an hour. Oh God, it was so hard. The rewards that. was brilliant because I got the Hadouken. <laughs> yeah. Not only that. Mega Man with the Hadouken is awesome. Yeah, not only that, you have to make sure you have over nine lives, but luckily there's this little bat doing it because this is Arm and Armadillo stage. I remember getting this specifically. Yeah. There's this little Mega Man, the original Mega Man bat villain. You sh you kill him and then it drops an extra life. You get a bunch of those extra lives. Like you go off the screen, you come back, you re it regenerates. Yeah. You, can, you yeah. rack up those extra lives. You fall into your death three times. And on the fourth try, you do the jump and you can properly get the Hadouken. And I got the Hadouken. Awesome. And it was because I heard legends about getting the Hadouken in, in, in uh, Mega Man X. And when I got my SNES Mini, of course, I played it. And then I was like, um, I got all the items. I got all the armor parts. I got all the sub tanks and everything. The heart, the, the life ups. I got it all. And then I'm like, I'm going to get the Hadouken. I got the oh, Hadouken. Yeah. And yeah. it's just so, it's so satisfying when little Mega Man X goes, Hadouken! Hadouken. That's right. Yeah, mate. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. And then, yeah, oh, it's amazing, isn't it? And then and you've got the, mm -hmm. the Shoryuken as well, haven't you? you got both of them. Or is that in Mega Man X2? I think the, the Shoryuken. The, yeah, the yeah, Shoryuken is X2. The, the, there's two super secret parts of Mega Man. Mega Man X in the air. There's the Hadouken. What's the other thing? There's another thing. Is it like the super armor where you can't die or something? Or it takes ages for them to kill? Oh, I can't remember. Anyway, great stuff and hard to get. And I miss that about games where things were genuinely hard, like actually hard to do. And you had to actually get good at the game and actually practice it to get that good. I think games baby us a bit too much these days, just a, just a little bit too much. A little bit. But, but that's because games are for everyone now. Whereas when I started playing games, they kind of was just for geeks. You know, yeah, it now, wasn't for everyone. But now yeah. it's for everyone. Yeah, yeah that's for I cannot tell you how happy it makes me feel that I could walk down the street wearing like my my Samus Aran t-shirt, wearing my uh, <laughs> Super Nintendo hat, or I whip out my Game Boy wallet or my Kingdom Hearts wallet, and people look at it and go, "Oh, hey, I love that game," or "I love that thing," or and they and they compliment me on it instead of threatening to beat me up like I was <laughs> yeah. in uh, middle school. Yeah, that's oh, it. man.
Well, anyways, Faith, thank you so much. Yeah, for, I bet it go. Coming, yeah. <laughs> yeah, thank you for so much for coming on, for giving me and definitely my listeners who are for thinking about getting into games journalism. Really good advice. Yeah. And, and also, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for so much coming on here and just chatting with me for, for a few no, hours. No, I've enjoyed it. We've got to keep this going, you know. I, I think we could do a lot of things together, you know. We should we should really keep it going, I think. Because yeah. I know you mentioned that um, you wanted to do a podcast yourself, so I'm I like... I do, and I, I'm, the more I'm talking to you, I'm thinking, this this is good, yeah. Maybe yeah. I could just... Maybe I could just yeah learn a bit from you. You could you could teach me a bit about doing the podcast. Yeah, I mean, I've been doing podcasting for over five years, so I I know a little bit, just a, just a tad. Okay, there you are. Then we could help each other. I I could I could help you get uh, improve your writing, and you could help me improve my podcasting. Well, the good news is you got all the essentials right in front of you right now. You got a computer, you got a microphone. <laughs> You're good. I'm good. I'm good. Well, all right then. Yeah, Ben, I bet it's getting late now. Yeah, well, so, anyways, yeah. uh, before you go, Faith, where can mm-hmm. people find you on the internet? Uh, the best place is retrofaith.net, which is like my, my kind of website. But but to be honest, that's more like a portfolio of my work and stuff. Uh, yeah, I'm on Twitter, retrofaith. I think it's retrofaith1. Uh, I do a bit of YouTube, but not really. Mm-hmm. So forget that one. Uh, yeah, my, I think Twitter's my favorite one. Yeah, so retrofaith1 on Twitter would be the best place to find me anyway. And then from there, there's other things. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. So yeah, definitely check out Retro Faith on Twitter. You could find me personally at Ben Magnet Twenty Seven on Instagram and Twitter. I know Faith, you already know that place. But of course, Basement Arcade, uh, Basement Arcade Pause Menu. Um, we're part of the Fickner Podcast family. Of podcasts. Go to FickerPodcast.com. Links to everything are there. YouTube, um, audio feeds, our T Public Store, our Patreon. Everything is there. But of course, if you're watching this on YouTube, you're already at the right place. So huzzah! Anyways, once again, Faith, thank you so very much. And I can't wait to talk to you more about you doing your podcast and helping me with my writing. I'm looking forward to it. No worries. Thank you, everyone. Have a nice time. See you later. And for now, unpause.